What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 50th draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside my BFCA buddy, Eric Marchand. How have we done 50 of these things? Yeah. And who is listening? Our 50th anniversary. We started this 50 years ago. (laughs) When Uh, podcasting wasn't even a thing. uh, We were on the old radio back in the day. Uh, Eric, how's your nugget buddy doing? Just hanging out with my little nugget buddy. We just had McDonald's. We Um, did. They're doing a cool promo right now uh, filled with nostalgia. If you guys order, we're not sponsored by McDonald's, just no. so everyone knows. But um, if you order a Happy Meal right now, you get a, a surprise toy from the history of Happy Meals. I happen to get the Fireman Nugget Buddy from 1988. My sister got a red power. Oh, God damn it, Eric. Um, my sister got a, my sister Sarah, whose only movie that she likes is Shutter Island. <laughs> it's an ongoing bit on this show. Uh, she got a red Power Ranger today. So, you know, I kind of wanted either the Tamagotchi, uh, the Bugs Bunny from Space Jam would have been dope. But uh, will I order McDonald's a bunch more times before November 11th to get more toys that will ultimately sit on a shelf until I go, why the fuck am I keeping this and throw it in the garbage? Probably. Well, you don't have that much Um, time. I mean, November 11th. Yeah, yeah. it's the 8th today. Remembrance Day. They're stopping it. Yeah. Because we have to remember our our troops. Remember the the people that died for us so we could have these stupid (laughs) toys. These nugget toys. But I remember Um, the Space Jam uh, action figures. I remember a lot of them. And Batman Returns. I'm surprised. I guess maybe because that's a licensing thing more. But Space Space Jam Jam was Warner Brothers, right? Would have been that. But I don't know what other toys were on there. I saw they had a bunch of nugget buddies. Grimace. My boy Grimace. The big purple idiot the purple um, nugget what is grimace Does that's anyone... the question that has been plaguing mankind since the beginning of is time. he the nugget goop or is i, I he think the, he's like... a nugget that's gone bad <laughs> right a purple nugget yeah um i don't know what else was on there but uh tamagotchi stood out to me i would like to try to take care of one of those little motherfuckers again so did you have a tamagotchi i did i did um when did I? I, think I it had ninety seven. Yeah, we had Tamagotchis first, then the boys. You know, back in the sexist days of, of oh, I couldn't have a Tamagotchi. I needed a Digimon. You know, they had a, a old brick style, and you could battle them. Like I thought, Digimon were like the rip off version of Pokemon. Yeah, but they also had Tamagotchi things. Did you ever like take care of like a? No, a I had Digimon? the cards. Oh no! I had like they came in like a little brick. They were like rugged and 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 rectangular and had a brick. Oh, interesting! You, no, like, I I had like the small egg Tamagotchi for girls apparently. No, I had uh, a Tamagotchi too. Don't get me wrong; uh, it, it was it was a green and die, uh, yeah. green egg shaped little thing. Yeah. Um, did yours die? Mine did. I don't know. Maybe I mean I probably just maybe died of. Like the battery, but the Digimon, you it would be exactly like a Tamagotchi, but it would be in an egg and it would hatch into one of the Digimon, and then you could actually like battle them and shit, kind of like Pokemon. I yeah, guess Digimon also battled, but like I didn't watch. The yeah, Digi- the only thing that was different is that for every character name in Digimon, they had Mon at the end of their name. Oh, did they? Yeah. yeah so like Puppetmon and right Paimon and stuff Where like that. Pokemon would have Mister Mime. Yeah, and my favorite Pokemon, Electabuzz. Electabuzzmon. Um, I didn't watch. I didn't watch much of the Digimon anime either. Like I watched mostly Pokemon, but <clears throat> you were always about that Ash, Catchum, and Brock and Misty. Yeah, Professor Oak. Uh, yeah. Fuck Gary though. The final f- <laughs> Gary sucks, dude. 
Uh, I don't know where the fuck we're talking about. This is the 50th episode. This is why uh, you come to this this show to hear us ramble. I've been on drinking since 3 p.m. I'm not really that drunk, but um, although it feels later because now we're getting to the point where it's it's darker out uh, earlier. Yeah. So baby, it is cold outside, and it also um, snowed this week. So a little bit. Yeah. We had a little bit of snow. I think was it last night or the night before? The night before and in I, the suburbs, it was actually it was more <clears throat> noticeable. Oh really? Because yeah. here it was on the rooftops a little bit, and I remember walking to work. But well, it, it was on getting, people's lawns. It is getting colder. It's like 6 p.m. right now, and it's black as the night, which I guess makes sense because it's night. Well, yeah, night um, is, is black. Which I like. There's, I, again, seasonal depression, a real thing. Yeah. Uh, totally experience it every year. However, I like that it gets dark at like 4.30 <laughs> because that's prime movie watching time when it's like dark out because I hate glare on my TV. Right. So like when I can get home... And if I'm not cooking dinner that night, if Nevis is not here, um, and I'm eating Cinnamon Toast Crunch for, for dinner, <laughs> I can start a movie at like 5.30, which is nice, So, uh, which I've been doing. I, although I haven't really watched much once we get into that, but I guess we should get into it. Uh, if you guys didn't know, this is the Untitled Movie Podcast. Each and every week, usually, uh, Eric and I get together, uh, talk about Happy Meal toys, as well as what's going on in the entertainment industry. Uh, what trailers are out right now, what we've been watching, what you guys should be watching at home, what news are, is going on right now. Uh, if you like this, we actually do another podcast called The Untitled Movie Reviews, where Eric and I get together slightly more professionally and review a new release film. What do you mean by slightly more? Happy 50th. <laughs> God. 50 episodes in. Have we gotten better at this? Not no, really. No, I think we've actually just declined like yeah. every episode. Like we started off really well and then like maybe five, ten episodes in. It's just like we've just gone downhill ever since. Yeah. Sorry about that, guys. We were talking about how we were slightly more professional on the other podcast. And maybe we are because that yeah. podcast rarely craps out where this one does quite frequently. I don't know what the fuck we were just talking about. You were about talking we about what we uh, what have reviews are available yeah. or, or available now. So we have reviews for Terminator Dark Fate, Last Christmas, The Lodge, which doesn't open until February, February. of 2020. And then we will also be ha- uh, having reviews coming up for uh, Little Women and 1917. As well as Frozen, Frozen 2. Frozen 2. So lots of good stuff coming up. So uh, that's yeah. dope. Yeah. Uh, sorry about that crapping out, guys. I don't know what happened, but... Um, well, it's better than how my stomach's been. <laughs> yeah, how you been feeling, man? You're good? Yeah, okay. I couldn't... Uh, unfortunately, I had to miss the uh, TIFF Halloween party because I had a bit of a upset stomach. Yeah, I will talk um, about that on today's show. Uh, well, I mean, I just did. Oh, I mean, I oh, oh, you mean the Halloween party. Yeah, I, I thought you were talking about my No, your my IBS. Bowels. No, no. <laughs> I will talk about the TIFF Halloween party, yeah. when it, I guess during what I've been watching. Yeah. I guess I watched that Halloween party. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope that there was no explosive diarrhea during the halloween party uh no there wasn't so no worries there um, excellent i'm glad you're feeling better though yeah so <laughs> good uh oh, it'd be embarrassing tomorrow though i'm telling you you're heading to new york tomorrow yeah. too we just talked about your la trip which people couldn't hear about on the last episode on the 49th draft um netflix is just whining and dining you baby i know and uh if you want to listen to my review of uh, the Irishman, it's on uh, RogersTV.com/slash Cinema Scene, and I know we're not doing a more 
a traditional review, right. but I'll we'll talk get your about thoughts I'm, about I'm it. I'm seeing yeah. it this weekend. Yeah. Um, we're not doing a review because of the company that I work for, their relationship. Transparency. With, we get it, Matt. Yeah, Come yeah, on. With Don't the, be a hero. Their relationship with Netflix. Uh, but I will talk about my impressions um, on next week's episode. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing it. Uh, half my day will be filled <laughs> on Saturday with the Irishman. Uh, Nevis and I are going uh tomorrow morning yeah so uh and you can check out your review of uh marriage story already so people know you're not just getting uh yeah bought by netflix yeah the joke's on them i like the movie already (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh but you are going to new york tomorrow we were talking about you might get some sugar fish you might go if people listen to our last year's episode for eric's 30th birthday where i just got talk about getting very sick i was the sickest i've ever been i think on that trip last year well you also um, looked like you were in physical pain like your body I was, was shivering just like, and like shutting down yeah and like, aching and it was the worst dude yeah. but um yeah you're no explosive ha- diarrhea though god stop saying <laughs> diarrhea uh, <laughs> we're gonna get flagged for some weird shit uh yeah you're heading out there tomorrow to see marriage story and kind of hang out in new york for a day that's fun yeah yeah um, and it's 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 a quicker trip than even uh la like much it's shorter just, flight though yeah yeah which is nice um compared to the trip that we we had which i think didn't help with how you were feeling by the end of I mean, it because we took an home. eight hour bus ride there and back yeah. and more than that, wasn't it ten or something like that? Ten or yeah, oh, maybe one way it was it was longer. I mean, I it know. certainly felt like yeah. ten hours, especially like once, like even though we had stops and we had time where we could, you know, get up and move and get McDonald's or had, you know, yeah, when I got nuggets. the purple uh, uh, crush. Oh god, your grape crush! Was like, <laughs> you know, it's bad when you're getting grape crush out of a vending machine. <laughs> out of a vending machine in Syracuse, yeah. New York. It's it, that's like the bottom of the barrel good shit uh but uh yeah and then you went on the um you and nevis went uh on a trip as well to new york afterwards uh for uh, my birthday yeah 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 we went and saw the leaf game yeah so we've been to we're very experienced with new york i guess since because you went last year for roma as well it was 10 times better than the shitty trip you took me on (laughs) yeah yeah no i liked it it's we only strictly see spider-man movies at alamo draft house in brooklyn so um any you don't have any plans because it's a quick trip it's You're just so like... quick that like as soon as i land i probably have about four or five hours to maybe do whatever you want to yeah to go to the so event. i've got to see first like i'm gonna check into my hotel and then figure out you know what i can do before then but yeah it's just it's not a lot of time right fair um other but than... any time is worth spending in new york right? of course so. i love new york uh other than that what have you been watching man i've been watching a lot um i've cut it down a little bit because i feel like we'd be here for like an hour and a half because uh right now or or this coming weekend is the uh critics choice documentary awards um and so voting the deadline for voting is uh 10 p.m pacific time tonight so we're recording this on friday november 8th so you voted before you came over here yeah so i only had one more movie to watch so for the most part, I've been watching a ton of documentaries, uh, both feature and uh, television-based uh, nonfiction narratives. Do you have to vote in documentary, or do you think some people just don't? I think that some people probably don't. Or they only vote for the like couple that they saw that they really liked? Or I'm sure there's that as well, but I try to see everything, and as long as I, I, I get a copy of it, and sure, that's also why... Yeah. like. Something like Hot Docs also helps a little bit where, like, they'll send you stuff at that time of year in, in April, May. 
Yeah. Um, and also, as long as you just keep on on top of it in terms of reviewing movies, like four or five of them, I had already like officially reviewed going into you know the the screener season so you know stuff like apollo 11 and amazing grace and Honeyland, all the neon stuff um i had seen so it wasn't uh that big of a deal and then you know they've been sending uh screeners for the last month or so now and um there's been some really good stuff but like the movies that i'll, I'll quickly kind of rattle through um actually the last movie that i watched before voting was one child nation which is china's policy about um families having one child that was instated back in 1979 uh, up until 2015 and it's from the perspective of a documentary filmmaker who grew up in this period in uh the late 80s um and her name is uh, Nanfu Wong, who sort of looks at her own family specifically, and her family lived in a more kind of um, rural environment, almost like a suburb of, of China. Okay. So they were allowed to have two children, but you had to have them between five years apart. And so what the doc is looking at is looking at how horrible the policy is and how it's used through uh propaganda and incentive to keep it going and how um a lot of uh children are given up for adoption or abandoned on the streets when they're born some die um and also how government officials um hire people to enforce uh, abortion and sterilization and it's one of <laughs> the most eye-opening documentaries I've seen this year and one of the most disturbing and Wong talking about it she goes into detail how like she moved to the states in her adult years and the states is very much you know also in a conversation of you know, pro-life, uh, uh, yeah. you know, the Southern. So she, she goes from, you know, one extreme to the other, but the two things that they have in common is that these two governments are controlling women's bodies and like, they don't have any say. And it's like horrifying to watch that, especially in China. And like now they've implemented a new rule that you're allowed to have two children and not just one because the Still population fucked, is, yeah. is dwindling and there's not enough people to take care of the older generations. Um, so it's, it's quite it's disturbing. Intense, dude, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it's really well done. It's, uh, Amazon studios, uh, release. And I think that it'll be streaming in the next month or so, but it's, it's worth checking out. Um, a movie that I also saw that I think you should watch. And I think also, um, uh, your dad should watch it as well as a movie Ford called versus Ferrari. <laughs> no, is a movie called American factory, which is okay. on Netflix right now. Um, now, this is a documentary about a GM uh, plant shutting down in Dayton, Ohio, in like a suburb of Dayton, Ohio, and a Chinese company coming in, um, Fuyao uh, Glass, and taking over and sort of bringing in their workers, but then also hiring um, people that were laid off from GM. Okay. And they specialize in uh, windshield glass okay. making. Yeah, yeah. And sort of like you're seeing how like – there's this 
discourse between the two styles of, of regiment and working and how, you know, the Chinese work like 12 hours a day and don't have any breaks and just keep going where, you know, the Americans are thinking about unionizing and the Chinese do not want them to unionize. So again, they're offering incentives, they're blackmailing their their workers, they're, they're threatening to fire them. And it's this interesting... Uh, economy of 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 class and race and then also just cultural um distance between the two like there's a scene where they bring um a bunch of higher level employees from the u.s to china to see how they work in china yeah and you see them and they look at it it's like there's no way we can do this it's so uniform and and like one guy even tries to kind of apply that sort of work logic or that regiment back afterwards and he completely fails because the people look at him and are like we're not doing this um so yeah and 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 it's produced by Brock and Michelle Obama and oh, they don't have like really the any they first don't have... thing that they've done cuz they signed that big Netflix deal Yeah, right? I think so. I mean this is it they don't really they have nothing to do like they're not in the movie in any way and it's just kind of showing you like what's going on and, and i mentioned it to you because i mean obviously both you and your dad have worked yeah, my at, dad worked at general motors for general motors but also years, general yeah. motors in in oshawa is, is shutting, shutting down, down. Yeah. so it makes me wonder if we'll get a foreign company coming in at some point and taking over and recontextualizing yeah that plant will just be sitting there right? yeah so i mean there are talks that that plant will turn into some other parts plant from gm but yeah who knows man yeah, that that would be fascinating. I'm sure. Yeah, so I'd I'd really yeah. like to get your opinion and, yeah, and even I, even Mike's opinion. I think my dad it. would really like that, so yeah. I will suggest that too. Yeah, him. so it's American Factory. It's on Netflix now. I also saw another Netflix movie called uh, Tell Me Who I Am, which um, is a is another tough watch, but a really um, fascinating and thought provoking piece of filmmaking about the moral dilemma of whether you tell somebody something or not. And so it's about two twins um, in England, uh, one uh, Marcus and the other one uh, Alex. At the beginning of the doc, you find out that Alex has just been in a horrible um, motorcycle accident and he's basically lost all of his memory. And this is when he was a teenager, so late teens, uh, early 20s. And when he wakes up in the hospital, the only person he remembers is his twin, uh, Marcus. And he doesn't remember his mom. He doesn't remember his dad. He doesn't remember where they live. He doesn't remember anything of his childhood or or any anything that's like just like practical yeah. daily functions. Like he doesn't even know how to brush his teeth and that kind of thing. So, you know, over the course of the next couple of years he's basically being reprogrammed by his brother wow and there's something that his brother omits that's a horrible dark secret and it's marcus coming to terms with realizing that he needs to tell him the truth but the truth is so painful that he doesn't want to tell him right so and he would have known this before the accident yes but he yeah and this is it, yeah. this is something that is I, I don't know if it's a spoiler or not because there there's been a book written about they wrote a book together about it it's been kind of in the news a little bit but it's it's more it's something where you know you should tell someone but you know it's such a horrible yeah yeah like there's this ethical kind of quandary of of like you know like what's the right thing to do like the truth is always important yeah but you also will hurt someone yeah and even i mean it's it's good to know that because it's a part of 
their life. And if you don't give that to them, you, you know, you're, you're empowering the wrong thing and, and they need to know and, and they need to be able to live with that because they'll take it out in other aggressions or other, or other ways. And, and it's just interesting because it's, it's basically a kind of cutting back and forth between these two brothers and it's shot in almost kind of like a, you know, David Fincher monochrome kind of way. It's very cold and clinical. Um, you can tell like the one brother, Alex, is a much more warmer and kinder kind of guy. And Marco or uh, Rocco, or, or as, he's, as he's called, Ali's, uh, Alex's nickname, is more weathered by life and just... He's just kind of burnt out. They look a little bit like um, Rufus Swell, Osul from uh, Dark City. You, okay. you've, if, if you, you, you've seen him in movies, like okay. he, he pops yeah. up a lot. I, but I'm sure if they were to make this into like a, a, a narrative feature, it'd be Benedict Cumberbatch playing him. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. In, in the movie um, okay. or playing the, the twins. But it's it's good and it's a thought provoking piece of 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 narrative storytelling. I just think it's also a little maybe too short. But it's so focused on like this one reveal, right? That it's kind of like you you kind of know what it is, but you don't realize how bad it is, right? And that's kind of what it's setting you up for. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, you have a couple more things, or do you want me to jump in? You jump in because I've been talking there for. A bit. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I don't have that much this week. I mean, a lot of the stuff that I've been watching has been stuff that uh, we mentioned that we'll be reviewing. That you guys can. Uh, I mean, by the time you guys are listening to this, you can go listen to those reviews. But uh, at home, I haven't really been watching that much. I think on last week's episode, I talked about I'm beginning my um. Star Wars rewatch leading into the Rise of Skywalker. So, because the okay um, funny guys are uh, the kind of funny, yeah, kind of funny guys uh, okay, are doing funny. okay funny. Um, okay, funny. <laughs> um, they are doing their in review series, which there are they're already on Force Awakens, but I am slow moving on it. So, uh, I just finished watching Return of the Jedi. So, I think on last week's episode, I mentioned I, I watched Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back again, not. M- we don't need to go into super detail, but um, and I don't know. Are you planning on rewatching them all? You, you no, said I'm, last wait, week I'm waiting, waiting until the they'll re-release them in 4K. Yeah, um, love so, that Sarlacc pit, baby. God, yeah. I, I I hope they release the OG versions of the original trilogy because I would love to see those again. Um, uh, the special editions are. I mean, again, they're the ones that I remember watching as a kid. At least those VHS versions of them. I mean, Lucas has made even more updates since the Blu-ray release or leading into the blu-ray release but uh jedi is i still think i think it gets kind of a bad rap for being a bad star wars movie or or one of the lesser movies but i actually it's the one i remember as a kid just like loving right it's a a personal um, favorite like like i know like that like the answer usually is like what's the best star wars movie it's well it's empire strikes back like that's the right answer but like my heart always says Return of the Jedi. Just, I just even for the Jabba's Palace. Yeah, Jabba's Palace is amazing. I love like I remember being obsessed as a kid with Luke's lightsaber, the green one, and just like that being the coolest fucking thing. Like that was the lightsaber I owned as a kid was that green Luke lightsaber, and like the whole showdown with Vader at the end of that movie, I think is incredible. Yeah, all the Jabba's the Ewoks Palace stuff I think are the thing that are the weakest bothers. part. But, but I right? like the Ewoks. But I don't still. even mind them. I think there are elements of the. Ewoks walks that i i, I don't like but like when he eats that little nut bar yeah sure um wicket i think as a whole i i don't mind them there are certain elements that are kind of i can see it be annoying i forgot how 
quickly they get to Endor and how much of the movie takes place on Endor. Um, but I, I think it's a, I think it's a solid finale to that original trilogy. And and sure, I think maybe I do like Empire and even A New Hope. I go back and forth between A New Hope and Jedi because A New Hope is just like it was that f- that first one, like seeing Luke's adventure and and Leia's adventure and the Han, true like, OG. Yeah, like the OG OG Star Wars movie is it holds a special place in my heart. So it's interesting watching them kind of back to back to back. And and uh, I put on Phantom Menace last night, but I only got to uh, right before the pod racing scene um, before I I went to bed. And but that but God that's the thing that kind of man. ruins Return of the Jedi as well a little bit for me. Not Return of the Jedi itself, but the prequels because you spend all this time getting to know Anakin Skywalker, who's an has, I think actually is more of an asshole before he becomes Vader, and then when Luke saves him from the Emperor at the end of Return of the Jedi, and he has his he's moment still of redeemable in the yeah. It's like well he's just. So he's com- becoming Anakin again. So and Anakin was this kind of a prick anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> God bless Watto. Uh, the kind of funny guys on there. Um, they also love Watto, or at least Greg does. So there's a bit on each episode where Greg comes out in a Watto costume and like interrupts the episode. So it's really great. You guys should go. Um, at okay, go funny, listen. right? Yeah, at okay, funny. They'll love that. Um, so I'll watch the. It's going to be a struggle to get through that original trilogy, or I mean that prequel trilogy, but um, with Disney Plus launching on Tuesday, it'll be a little bit easier because they're on there. So, Speaking of which, um, you've done some dabbling. Great segue, yeah. So we um, we did get access to the first batch of uh, Disney Plus shows and films. We just got you access. You should say film. A one film, yeah. and I think uh, Noel is coming up. but uh, Well, which will be on Tuesday, but we yeah. didn't get access to a screener to Noel. But we did get a batch of Disney Plus screeners uh, yesterday or the day before. Um, I, I I dabbled in them a little bit um, on... You love that um, dabbling. ...on Apple TV yesterday, and I watched... Uh, it didn't have much time because I was watching the Leaf game last night, and it just... Uh, Nevis and I were going to watch the Imagineering story, which is one of the uh, documentary programs they have about Disneyland and Disney World, about the rides and things like that, uh, which I actually do really want to watch. Come to our Jungle Cruise. uh, Yeah, which I actually do really want to watch. I just, um, they're each episode, the first episode was like 67 minutes, so I was like... I don't have time for that tonight. Right. So I watched the only thing I've really watched were some of the spark shorts, which are the Pixar shorts that are most of them are available on YouTube right now, which you can go watch. I don't know if they still are, but they were there for promotion for Disney plus. Um, but they're in high quality. Kit bull is really great. Yeah. You guys should watch Kit bull and uh, Pearl is actually quite good as well. Um, and we'll be talking about Pixar coming up in the show in a little bit. But uh, I did watch uh, another Pixar thing. I watched the first two episodes of uh, Forky Asks a Question because they are two minutes each. So I was like, you know what? If I'm going to watch any of this Disney Plus stuff, uh, I guess this makes the most sense because they're only a couple minutes long. Um, and it's Tony Hale still voicing Forky. It's right? got Tony Hale. The first two episodes had Tony Hale and John Ratzenberger as, as Ham. Ham. Um, it seems like they might be the two, the dream team, the two main people that they brought in for this show because they were in both episodes. Um, right. Shame that, uh, combat Carl isn't around. Yeah. He might show up. You never know. Um, it was cute. Like it was, it's obviously aimed at very young kids because it's Forky asking, a, um, 
well, obviously Forky asking her question, but like a question that kids, it's explaining like the first two episodes is what is money? And, oh God, I'm already blanking on the second episode. That shows you how memorable it was. What is money? And it was about something else, but <laughs> that's awful. I got to figure it out. As I look, Matt's this up. looking this up. Um, but it was cute. They're two minutes long, and it's if uh, if you didn't like Forky in Toy Story Four, this isn't going to win you over. Um, I think it's Ham explaining what is money to Forky, um, and him kind of just not understanding, but then eventually getting it by the end, but adding in a, a bunch of goofy kind of slapsticky things in between. And like, I don't think there are, there's much there for adults, but for very young kids to kind of show them, I think upcoming episodes are going to be like, what is art or what is yada, yada, yada. But, um, I'm going to try and look this up as I vamp, but, um, Forky asks a question. I thought it was cute. I don't know. Right. I laughed at a few of the bits, but I don't know if there's much there. Got to keep that Toy that. Story brand alive. Yeah. So I watched. Um, God, show me the freaking episodes, guys. Um, I'm just gonna hang out with my little nugget friend for a little bit while you look that my up. My little nugget friend. Anyways, I don't remember what the second episode was. I apologize, but. That shows you that it wasn't super, super My favorite memorable. toy. Um, Little Nugget guy. Actually, I can just log into the Screeners account. as we. This is great content. This is Yeah, this is great This podcasting. is when we say we do the other show a little bit more professionally. Um, well, I can talk about something else while you're doing that. Sure. Um, oh, go for it. am I going to? Oh, the Nightingale. Furthest thing away from... From uh, Forky Asks from Questions. From Forky Asks Questions and Disney in general. So this is a film that I've been looking forward to since last year and and also just, you know, Jennifer Kent, the writer-director of The Babadook, following uh, up her her horror film. And unfortunately, it did not get any theatrical release of any kind in Toronto or Canada, for that matter. Yeah. And I understand why having watched it, but I don't understand why... place like tiff wouldn't have played it for a week so um the film is about an irish uh ex-convict living in tasmania australia in the 1800s and she is uh sort of in the middle of being paroled or, or like her parole time is about up and um a lieutenant a left lieutenant is supposed to sign uh, her her freedom papers and give them to her, but she he's kind of holding that against her, and he's played by uh, Sam Caflin of uh, the Hunger Games sequels. And what happens is um, a horrible, horrible series of events, um, which is mostly um, extremely violent and trigger warning. Um, rape and murder do happen very early on in the film. Um, to people that you do not want to see that kind of stuff happen to um, in any capacity, um, let alone, you know, the way it's depicted here. But it's it's a necessity to see how violent and horrible uh, colonization, specifically British colonization, was at that time. And so instead of it just being a rape-revenge fantasy what jennifer kent does is she grounds it in a very thought-provoking 
um, sort of look at how um, women. What is a friend? Was the other episode? As, as I'm <laughs> as I'm going through this, how women and um, Aborigine First Nation Aborigines were treated at that time period. Um, so what happens in the film? Claire, the main character. Um, goes on this quest to track down this left lieutenant who's has literally gone to um, the main town that's a little further out um, to get a uh, what do they call it? Uh, it's not a promotion at the time, but it's like it's it's something else, like a new rank. Okay, and so basically, she's on this quest, and and she has this tracker named Billy who's telling her where to where to go and you know he kind of starts telling her how horrible you know uh white colonists have been to those that have been living you know in australia and in the bush for years centuries before they ever came there and 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 there's this interesting kind of dynamic between like white feminism and you know how you know people are treated people of color are treated at that time and Eventually, they they work together, but it's in a way that doesn't feel contrived in any way. And again, it's extremely violent. There are scenes in the film that are tough to watch, and I understand that it's not an easy movie to market. Yeah, but again, it's I think it's a necessity. I think it's extremely well made, beautifully uh, shot. The direction is incredible. Kent doesn't hold back. She shows things for what it is, but it isn't exploitative or, or gratuitous. gratuitous yeah. It's it's more just like this is what it was like at that time <clears throat> period. And again, watching it, like it's it's shot in uh, the Academy aspect ratio as well, like four by three, right? It's Kinda. it's an interesting choice because you have this vast sort of again like forest that they're kind of traveling through through the most of it, but it's so contained to these two characters having to work out their own problems together and then also figure out like what are they going to do because even though Claire has a goal in mind which is to kill these men that did something horrible to her and her family she doesn't really all she is doing is she's you know she's saddled up she has a gun she has an idea but she doesn't really have a plan right so it's it's an interesting kind of dichotomy of how people work together or or how they don't and again during that time period and i think it's also interesting that like i don't know a lot about australian history at that specific time but it's interesting to see like how a lot of people you know were being brought in that were ex-convicts or or prisoners to serve the rest of their sentence and be basically treated like like slaves, right? Um, and so it's 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 a very dark and tough watch, but also rewarding. And I think it's one of the best movies of the year. It'll be in my top twenty-five. Oh wow, nice! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you were really excited, so I'm glad you had a chance to see it. Yeah, I, I wish I, still, I saw it on the big screen. Yeah, I I would have loved Lightbox to play it because it would have been properly masked and it would have been wonderful. But um, I mean, wonderful. Presentation, right, right, right. But, well, it would have been more uh, immersive because, yeah. like, the other thing that's really amazing about the film is is the actual soundscape. Right. So, like, you like the actual foliage and and the and sort of the outdoor environment that they're in. It really feels like they're there. And again, there are little things in the film that feel very observed that I don't know if a male director would have been able to pull off. 
mm-hmm. or even paid attention to for that matter. Right. Um, so again, like I think Jennifer Kent's uh, an amazing talent and um, I hope more people get to see it. It will be available on iTunes in Canada it will. on November 18th. Oh, great. Yeah. I'll be able to rent it or yeah. buy it or something. Okay, yeah. great. Because I was wondering, that was going to be my next question, was is it getting any... Digital? And then Shout Factory and Scream Factory will be releasing a Blu-ray in February. Oh, of next year. Yeah. Okay, cool. Awesome. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to jump in? Um, I saw a movie called Diane. So this, yeah. like The Nightingale, was an IFC screener that I was sent. And this is directed by Kent Jones, who just actually recently stepped down as uh, the head of the New York Film Festival uh, curator. He also directed um, the Hitchcock Truffaut documentary from a couple years ago that played at TIFF. Right. Um, so this is his first um, n- fictional narrative. And it's about... Um, a middle-aged woman named Diane, played by Mary Kay Place, who, when we first meet her, is looking or, or, or visiting her sick cousin in the hospital. And as we kind of follow her in a kind of day-in-the-life scenario, we see that she's always being helpful to people that she's close with, whether they be cousins or um, nephews or nieces or other extended relatives or family. Um, she has a son that's addicted to, um, I believe it's either heroin or meth. Meth, And they don't specifically say what it is, but he treats her horribly, but she still comes to help him. He's played by Jake uh, Lacey, who's basically like your poor man's Ben Affleck, um, who's an obvious child and uh miss sloan you you've seen him like you like you know him if you you've you've seen him before um and you kind of begin to see the story of why she's doing this because you know like she feels that she's atoning for things in her past that she's done that she's done that she regrets and not that they're bad things they're just things that mistakes people make you know like there's nothing like there's no dark revelation where it's like, oh, you did something really, really horrible. Just now human I understand. mistakes. Just human yeah. mistakes. And, and again, it looks at a part of life that we rarely see in contemporary society, which is, you know, of the middle-aged to senior citizen in sort of their day, everyday life. Because, you know, we, in sort of the movie-going experience, see a lot of films that are either geared towards younger people or you know people that are you know maybe in their late 20s early 30s right sure, like there's yeah. not a lot of films that are about people that are especially about older women uh in their, not in their 50s films, and 60s yeah. yeah and and there's an amazing cast in this um uh, as well andrea martin from sctv is in it she has a really great supporting performance in the film and again like it's just very lived in very quiet but also really rewarding i think there's some style choices throughout the film that don't work there's one where like the mom comes in diane comes in to see her son back on whatever uh substance he's using and and how he's kind of like tripping out and it kind of the scene tries to kind of play with that a little bit in the editing and like this weird kind of fade and it doesn't really work for what it is because it's such a flat kind of matter of fact movie um but again, it's 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 a really good little film, and I feel like it's one of those movies that like people will discover down the line. And if Kent Jones, you know, who stepped down from the New York Film Festival to really begin his film career, um, 
keeps making movies and if he you know gets a big hit in the next couple of years people will go back and see this and be like see oh this yeah this stuff, is yeah. a really strong little character piece i think mary Kay place is really really good um and again like it just looks at family and the dynamic of you know an older generation still being helpful and useful and not just being like a stereotype or or what have you like it's not making fun of old people it's not trying to add to comedy it's just a really great character study with a, an ensemble of actors that probably wouldn't get used in much at this point anymore and they're all really great cool yeah um the last thing that i watched um i mean we're not going to talk about it much but apple tv plus launched last friday uh, I don't know if you've dabbled at all into I've anything. been not doing any dabbling. That's the um, word for this episode. Yeah, remember when it was, what was our catchphrase? Cautiously optimistic, yeah, 100%. 100% was another one. We should make these into t-shirts that three people will buy, two of them being me and you. Yep. <laughs> and then uh, I watched Dickinson uh, with Nevis. So we watched the first episode of Dickinson. Um, this is with Haley Steinfeld, Haley right? Steinfeld playing the titular <laughs> Dickinson. Emily Dickinson. Emily Dickinson, yes. Um... Uh, a hyper stylized version of Emily Dickinson. So obviously a period piece, but uh, it's Dickinson for the Gen Z, Eric. So everyone's talking like they're a teen in 2019. There's some rap music. There's, you know, so it's period based, but it's contemporary yes, and it's... in tone and 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 language and everything, which right. is why I I think I was somewhat attracted Isn't it to it. Wiz Khalifa um, play the devil. Wiz or Khalifa plays uh, death. Yes, uh, is it Wiz Khalifa? Yeah, I believe it is Wiz Khalifa. Um, he shows up in a carriage playing death uh, in the first episode. Uh, I think Haley Steinfeld is super charismatic. I love her. Um, I actually do really like the tone of the show. Uh, I, I worry. Does it get that... into her uh, Emily Dickinson's sexuality? Because I yes. know that's a big thing where like a lot of historians have been erasing that part of, of her life, that she was a lesbian and that... It's very much prevalent Good. in the first episode. Good, because so... that that is something that, like, again, like... Everybody has kind of been when it comes to like actual like historians talking, talking about, about her. her career. They kind of seem to put that under the no. It's very it's very much a part of the first okay, episode. Good. That's and good. for That's someone good. who didn't know that, yeah, I was like, oh shit, is this? I'm like, is this? I guess this would actually be what her sexuality. Yeah, because there was there was the that, the um, uh, the Cynthia Nixon movie from a couple years ago, A Quiet Passion, which really did not touch on that at all and sort of turned her into a quote-unquote spinster no and in this first episode they they yeah and it gave her no interior life but then this year there was an interesting um movie uh called uh uh nights with emily wild okay. nights with emily yeah, with molly yeah. shannon as emily dickinson interesting and it actually focused on her relationships with i think it was her brother's wife yeah and so then, that's the first episode yeah, yeah and then so. on top of that it's but it's played more like um a drunk comedy okay bit for an hour and a half so that's interesting so yeah. they also go the stylized route with that so um yeah I, I i really dug this i i don't know if the the tone and the style will wear thin through i think it's six or eight episodes maybe more but um i, I really dig it i think it makes it accessible to a younger audience and um, I mean, for me, 
who isn't super into period pieces, it makes it a little bit more digestible. Um, so yeah, I, I'm into it. I think we'll continue to watch it. I mean, there's so many options on, on, on TV right now. And with two more streaming services launching in the next week, there's just going to be even more. And, and we haven't even got to Peacock and other things, HBO right. Max. Well, launching, even with, but... um, some of the new FX shows going to be streaming on, uh, Hulu, Hulu right? yeah, which is a new story that I didn't put in, but yeah, because of Disney owning, hulu now a lot of the fx stuff will be going straight to hulu um so yeah i mean i think dickinson's the most promising thing coming out of the apple tv plus launch like i put on c and uh i mean we're going to talk about servant later in the show which i think looks interesting but um i think dickinson's worth a watch give that first pilot episode like um uh, it's not a pilot. Give that first episode a watch and see what you think. You'll either be immediately into it or completely turned off by it. Um, but imagine if it's a period piece, but everyone's acting like it's she's a teen in 2019. Okay, it kind of um, it has. It's, it almost sounds like the way that kind of Sofia Coppola was tackling Marion Anto- Antoinette. Yeah, Marianne a little Antoinette, bit. Yeah. Where it's like. It had this kind of contemporary edge to it, even though, you know, it's set in a historical context. And this is stylized in even the way her poems are portrayed on scene and and how her, you know, her visions of death and and things like that. So um, I think there's enough there. The music's interesting. It's, it's, yeah, it's a lot of contemporary music as well. Um, Now, is it, is it a ongoing series or is it just a limited series? Um, I don't know how much of their life they're going to cover. I mean, um, it's hard to tell, I guess. I, right. I, I think it's supposed to be a series series, but... Because um, also with Haley Steinfeld potentially being in... In Hawkeye in, in the Hawkeye well, series, right? it's it's interesting that she's, you know, working with the enemy. But on top of that, I mean, she's also very young. And, like, the depiction of Emily Dickinson usually is... When she's older. Of right? a much older woman. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I've really only watched that first episode, but it is the one series that I'm intrigued by, and I think it's the one getting the best reviews. It's, it's almost like putting, like, sugar in medicine or something like yeah. that. It's like, hey, kids, you should be, you know, in learning Emily about Dickinson this yeah. and reading about this. It's like, how do we get, how do we make the kids watch? Let's put, uh, let's put that Wiz Khalifa yeah. in there. He's hot right now. Uh, did you want to talk about Western stars quickly? Yeah. So, um, this is a super niche concert doc, um, which basically is also a commercial for Bruce Springsteen's latest album, the titular Western stars. And it's him playing in his barn in South California, um, with a band and an orchestra. And in between there are these almost like, Kind of corny, kind of poetic, Malick-like voiceover narrations of Bruce explaining what each song means and the story behind them. And again, not for everybody, uh, but I kind of enjoyed it. I don't think I, like, coming out of the film was like, oh, I need to, you know, buy the album or listen to the music. But seeing him play, watching the band perform with him... And hearing the stories I thought was interesting. And then at the end of the film, there's this weird, like, stay for the end credits because there's more footage. And then they show, like, snippets of interviews of behind the scenes of the making of. But then they also put in uh, the TIFF premiere 
and the TIFF interview. They added it into this release? Yeah. That's weird. And it's, yeah, yeah, it's bizarre. It's so strange. So, um, again, it's, it's not a movie that I can say like, oh, everybody will like it or like this is, you know, a concert doc in the same way that, you know, Martin Scorsese's The Last Waltz or Jonathan Demme's, you know, Talking Heads documentary Stop Making Sense are, are essential, you know, concert docs. This is just something like if you are a Bruce Springsteen fan, you will see it. You probably already have seen it. Shout out to Julie Kahlo. Judy. 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 Ju- Julie Kahlo. Oh, I apologize. I've had five beers. Okay, Judy. funny. Okay, funny. Yeah, Julie Kahlo. Julie. Uh, shout out to yeah. Judy. Yeah, and Judy Who even loves, said, like, yeah. like, you know, it is super niche. Like, right. it's... It's for hardcore Springsteen yeah. fans and stuff. I, I love I love that Julie loved it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Judy. I'm, I'm, you know, I meant to say Judy. I've been yeah. drinking. But it's, it, again, and it, it looks nice. Cool. All right, moving on to staying at home. Eric, you have one Blu-ray you want to mention. Yeah, so uh, Shout Factory sent me a Blu-ray of Snow Falling on Cedar, which was one of those... So every year we get those movies that are, you know, Oscar bait films, and they kind of fall by the wayside once you see them. So, for example, I think one of the biggest disappointments of this year, Oscar bait-wise, was Motherless Brooklyn. Yeah. And then another Oscar kind of bait movie that's sort of on paper seems like it has all the ingredients to win awards was uh, The Goldfinch. Goldfinch, yeah. I would say Just Mercy is Just Mercy as well. Although Just Mercy is better than those two movies. It still hasn't been released, so we don't know if it's officially died on the vine, so to speak. I could see it dying on the vine. Yeah, and I think just the release of Christmas, like nobody wants to see a death row prison drama. Sure, yeah. During the holiday season. And it's weird as well because Clemency is also getting released around yeah. that time as well. And that's another Death Row drama as well with uh, Alfre Woodard. So anyway, so you always get those kind of movies that you think like this is going to be like the best picture winner of the year. And then you see it and it ends up turning out to be a snore. A snore. This is that kind of movie. But beautifully shot okay by robert richardson okay cool um so the film in a nutshell is a basically a murder mystery love affair about a fisherman who is killed and sort of a courtroom drama that occurs around that um ethan hawk plays this uh dogged reporter who falls in love with a young japanese woman and it's all very uh much shot in a kind of pristine uh cold yet uh clean winter landscape and everything is shiny and bright and everyone in the movie is is you know giving this profound monologue about what it is to live and what the where the truth is and what is morally corrupt and what isn't and what we do for love and what we don't do and what our connections are as people and that kind of thing and you know there's there's a lot of really wonderful character actors in there but overall I thought it was just okay but in terms of a transfer it looks great and Robert Richardson's cinematography like that kind of like that bright white light that he always kind of harnesses really looks good on snow cool yeah so it's worth it just for the cinematography yeah yeah it's 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 like watching paint dry but the the film it's beautiful beautiful paint paint. (laughs) uh i'll quickly run through my digital picks i think it's i i've recommended it multiple times recently but because of the release of dr sleep i should mention that the shining in 4k which looks incredible 
uh, both physically and digitally, is available for $10 on iTunes Canada, which is an absolute steal. Um, I also want to mention a little underrated movie that I think we both liked quite a bit, which is Long Shot in, in 4K. Yeah, I was thinking um, about that actually a lot during uh, Last Christmas, yeah. because Last Christmas and Long Shot, the thing that they do really have in common is that they're trying to be unabashedly rom-coms, right? Yeah. Like they are rom-coms to their core, and they're playing with those classic tropes, and I feel like Long Shot, for whatever reason... Maybe it was the release of the early summer just didn't connect. But I think what it was doing, it was doing it really well. I agreed. Yeah, I think it was a little un- like underrated, but still definitely worth a $10 pickup on 4K. Uh, Gladiator in 4K for $10. Are you not entertained? Uh, you should be entertained for $10. Uh, Bumblebee in 4K, talking about Haley Steinfeld, um, uh, which I think they strictly... And John Cena with the weird hair? Oh, God, I, his hair makes me so uncomfortable. I tweeted this, and I've said this for... What if it started now? moving? Would like, you be I don't, really he's disturbed He's always had by that? this very, you know, crew cut. He's uh, the Marine, man. Very, yeah, he's always had this Marine style, very short on the sides haircut. So when he has this dark brown hair that's a little thicker on the sides, it just makes me so uncomfortable, and I don't know why. Uh, Playing with Fire comes out this weekend as well, yep, right? Oh, sure does. I did not screen, right? It did. Oh, it did? Yeah. You didn't go? Saturday screening. Oh, one of those like, morning ones? Yeah. Yeah, fucking shoot Queensway me. Shoot me in the something. goddamn face. Um, uh, Bumblebee's out. It's it's fun. You guys should Bumblebee. Bumblebee for ten dollars is definitely Bumblebee worth it. tuna. Um, Wizard of Oz in four K Dolby Vision yep. just got dropped uh, in digital for eightieth anniversary. Ten dollars. It looks great. I picked that up, and um, with the Irishman being released this weekend as well, uh, Goodfellas in four K is available for ten dollars. See Goodfellas and then see um, Oldfellas. Yes, for three and a half hours. If you're, yeah, again, we should mention we're not reviewing it, but if you live in the Toronto area and a few other American cities, I think New York, LA, LA yeah. uh, probably a few others. You guys should definitely check out the Irishman this week. And then it's going to be expanding next week to a few more theaters around the U S and Canada. Yeah. And then and November 27th, it will be available on Netflix. Correct. Um, and that's it for Stan at home. Oh, I just also want to mention with snow falling on, uh, Cedars again with the whole Oscar thing. So, uh, Scott Hicks, was the director of it and he was coming off uh, a big success with shine with um jeffrey rush okay and so again like it all kind of plays up where it's like you have you you know your last movie is this big oscar winning film and then you follow it up with a film that also has a lot of anticipation building up to it and then it kind of just falls flat it's it, it it's kind of unfair to the movie a little bit in, in terms of like having these lofty expectations that this filmmaker is going to deliver another you know, awards caliber film, but these things happen, right? Was that an intentional segue or not? So we're moving into talking trailers and our first trailer, Wendy. (laughs) I don't know if that was intentional or not, but no, it wasn't, um, but it was, uh, perfectly, perfectly timed. Uh, uh, yeah, so the trailer for Wendy, which uh, we talked about, I think, a few episodes ago that we were wondering where the hell this thing was. Yeah, well, we've been talking about it a lot because of the Fox and Disney merger and yeah, especially and with happen. a lot of these titles that were already in production or post-production when that happened and how they were going to fit into um, the Disney uh 
hierarchy. Yeah, yeah, know. sure, yeah. With horns and and, and Wendy. Antlers. So, or, sorry, yeah, not horns. Is the Daniel Radcliffe movie, right? <laughs> well, it's even stranger with Wendy that they've also been have they, or at least David Lowry has been developing a new Peter Pan movie for, for Disney. Disney. So it's weird that they are releasing this for Fox Searchlight. Yeah, right. So for those of for those of you that don't know what Wendy is, Eric, it's Ben Ben Zeitlin. Ben Zeitlin. So this is this um, is why Matt was saying you know the the segue, the segue. was perfect because. Yeah. Ben Zeitlin came onto the scene back in uh, 2012 with Beasts of the Southern Wild, played at Sundance, got a lot of acclaim. Fox Searchlight picked it up. It went on to get nominated for a bunch of awards, including director, who was kind of the surprise nomination that year because you had people like Catherine Bigelow for Zero Dark Thirty ben and Ben Affleck, Affleck for yeah. Argo being snubbed for people like Zeitlin and Michael Haneke for Amore. And so everybody was like, okay, like this is almost like a Spike Jones being John Malkovich nomination, and he's going to be like our next great indie auteur filmmaker who's really weird and idiosyncratic. But and then he also, disappeared. <laughs> yeah. But he, he was talking about this project while doing the rounds, the press rounds for uh, Beasts of the Southern Wild. And he was yeah. saying like it was this weird, um, sort of age defying ecosystem kind of movie but i he never let slip that it was kind of based on the peter pan mythology yeah so he was talking about like the idea it's like there are scenes where characters will walk into an environment and they will turn into a 40 year old and then they'll walk into another area in this kind of land and then turn into a, a kid again and so he was playing with age and time and sort of the non-linear structure of things yeah so but he trailer, never said it was Peter Pan. So, but yeah. yeah, so he's been he has probably been working on this even For before years, that. Yeah. yeah, and and people were wondering like what happened to him. He kind of basically fell off the the face of the earth, and then a couple years ago it was mentioned that the movie was done, that it was in post production, and then with the merger, people were like, oh, is this going to be maybe sold off to another studio or something like a twenty four, and then it just. All of a sudden popped up. It's going to be released in February of 2020. And I would not be surprised if it played at Sundance because yeah. it looks like a Sundance movie. Yeah, it def- not a bad thing. I think it definitely will. But it'll be weird for a Disney-owned searchlight to have something at Sundance, I guess. But, right. Um, yeah, I mean, I-, I texted you when this came out. And I was like, this definitely looks like... I mean, he's only made one other film. But it looks like a Ben Zeitlin movie. Right. And um, I compared it to being like... if. Terrence Malick made a fantasy film and um yeah I, I don't know what to think I mean well it, even it like Spike like, Jones where the wild things yeah, are it, right it looked very much like uh, where the wild things are and uh, whimsical and um I just hope it won't be like the one like I'm interested in it and I'm excited to see his you don't like up. whimsy though right I don't like whimsy when it's precocious sure like I don't like teenage angst unless yeah. it's I agree. There's That's one reason, reason why it. I didn't like the opening hour of Waves that much. Right. But And with Beasts of the Southern Wild, I But that's a different that type movie. of angst, not whimsy though. Sorry, I want to clarify. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Waves. And with Beasts of the Southern Wild, I didn't love that film, but I respected it and I, Same. I, I was like, okay, this is I like something the filmmaking. It, yeah, there's something interesting here. I yeah. just don't love this movie. Yeah. yeah. And I think this guy is has something. Whether or not I love his stuff, it's to be determined, and I think this will this one will be interesting to see if maybe I, I'm more in tune with what he's going for here. But like again, like you look at something like Swiss Army Man, 
Yeah. Right? Like, again, another movie that looks like a Sundance movie, but also very strange. And maybe those weird kind of tonal shifts that were in Swiss Army Man will have kind of a similar kind of... Uh, will take flight in this, right? In terms of what, where the characters are going. And, and again, I mean, it's got to be better than the Joe Wright pan, right? It has to be, you think. But who knows? But, yeah, I'm intrigued, but... Don't really know what to you could think say. Of it. Cautiously optimistic. Oh, uh, moving on to the next trailer. Uh, Disney Pixar released the trailer for Soul um, the other day. Um, looks very much like Inside Out in a different way. Right. I mean, I mean that's the first film that they um, they mention when. Well, it's um, also Pete Doctor, right? Yeah, same director, correct? So it's about a. Um, a uh, a man who is not happy with how his life is going and he wants to pursue his passion in in soul music, correct? He wants like to be a, a, jazz a, a jazz musician. So it's a La La Land and, yep. <laughs> for Disney's Pixar. Sure. Um, and then from my – I mean I really – first off, I, I mean I really loved this trailer. I, I, I thought it was – Yeah, you got Jamie Foxx um, voicing the main yeah. character. It's the first African-American – lead for Pixar in a Pixar movie which is fantastic yeah. um the music uh is fantastic we should also trailer. mention that it's a new story so we could just talk about it now that yeah. Trent Reznor and Atticus, Atticus Ross, Ross are, are doing the score so and there'll also be a... music from a couple other jazz music musicians as well I, um what's the one guy's name um Herbie Hancock no I'll I'll pull it up now but um I thought this trailer was excellent man so I mean it almost looks like this character either has a near-death experience or does pass away and he's seeing kind of you know how the afterlife yeah his the afterlife and how his life like he didn't kind of achieve what he wanted or what defines the soul itself yes exactly and like what will you be remembered for and 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 will you are you wasting your life doing something that you don't passionately care about and like and i thought that was really interesting and i thought i uh, i mean it looks the animation looks gorgeous um, uh, I loved the sequence when, yeah, he falls down the, the, the sewer manhole. and the manhole and he, he becomes into this kind of surreal kind of, yeah, you see his soul kind of partake this form, which reminded me of inside out a lot. Yeah. And that's when um, the ghostbusters show up. Yeah. And I, I don't know. What did you think? Did you know? Like- I, I liked it as well. And, and to me, like, I know like Disney has frozen two coming out in a couple of weeks and like, that's going to be a big deal for them to launch, you know, a trailer like this to kind of get people really interested. And then also with, you know, Rise of Skywalker soon to follow, and I'm sure there'll be a number of big movie trailers for the next year. But watching this trailer, I was thinking, like, we've already forgotten about Onward. <laughs> oh, I know, right? Yeah. Like, I feel like this is this also is the strategic, movie, though, yeah. as well, on their part, because it's like, like, Onward doesn't seem to be tracking well, and, like, people have already made fun of it. I mean, like, even that poster, like, the two and a half men kind of poster thing sure, going yeah. on there, where, like, where's my pants? I mean, I whole, um, I, I mean, I give Pixar the benefit of the doubt. Right. Like, um, like I, I think that it's probably better than what those trailers are But didn't Inside Out come out the same year as Monsters University? Yeah. Which is also the same director on Monsters University who's as, doing yeah. Um, yeah, Dan Scanlon. So, it does look like it'll be one of those kind of minor Pixar movies, right? right. Like, oh, it was cute, it was fun, or whatever. But this, but it's looks, no soul. This looks in, 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 great, and it's John Baptiste who is doing John Baptiste, uh, okay. um, who is doing uh, some of the uh, John Baptiste, who is doing the jazz songs in the film. But Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross doing a Pixar score, hell yeah, man! Yeah, <laughs> I'm so it's into gonna that. It's gonna be dark and moody. And, and yeah, like it, it should be really, really cool. Pulsating. And, like, I mean, we don't get much from this trailer, but I think it kind of gives you what the 
the vibe of the movie is. Yeah, you have Jamie Foxx, Tina Fey, Questlove, um, David Diggs is in there, and like so might be the new Sebastian and um, Little Mermaid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, which there was a live show of Little Mermaid yeah. this week, which people kept making fun of, but I didn't see any of it. So I don't, John I'm... Stamos is Captain Hook, I believe. <laughs> I heard, I heard. That's... Stamos. <laughs> God damn it. Um, but Soul looks great, and yeah, you make a great point where like Onward is coming first, right? Yeah, it's and in then, March, right? Yeah, so. and like, and it is a Pixar movie, but it almost feels like a DreamWorks movie, or it feels like. like you know, like Disney's Disney animation, like not Disney Pixar, right? Sure, but even Wreck It Ralph and Frozen, like, had had some sort of prestige to it a little bit. I, I guess, like. and like, and Zootopia as well, yeah, and, and like, Moana. But there were some as well that, like, you look before those movies. Like, what was the one with Zach Braff, uh, Chicken Little? Do you remember that? Sure, like way back in the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Th- that's kind of the vibe I'm getting from this. Or even um, from Onward. Meet the Robertson. From Onward. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah, so Soul looks incredible, though. Like, I, I'm. it's a very short teaser. I highly suggest you guys take it, check it out. It won't spoil anything. It just kind of gives you the vibe of the movie. I think it takes place in New York, and New York looks beautiful in, in, the, in the few shots that they show you. They have gotten um, so much better in their designs of – Human characters, human characters over yeah. the years because like you look at where they started at toy story and it's a nightmare <laughs> yeah. like it, that that is truly the stuff of 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 freddy krueger-esque nightmares yeah andy in the first toy story looks like a the only one that monster. looks somewhat appropriate because he already is kind of terrifying is sid yeah right but yeah, Andy looks like his face is melting <laughs> off of his body um but yeah now they've they've kind of they're not trying to maybe create like an actual realistic human, but like they're, they have a Pixar vibe to them, but it still looks nice. Yeah. And I think that they started to realize that around up where like you need to kind of, you know, build on shapes and sizes that work and not everything has to be, you know, symmetrical. I agreed. Uh, moving on to the invisible man, which I could have sworn they just started shooting. (laughs) Well, these are Blumhouse movies. Like they literally like, you know, we'll shoot this movie in like five weeks and we'll have it edited in post production. And it's in, coming out in, in February. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Lay, uh, Lay Wannell, right? Lee, 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 Lee Wannell. Wannell. Uh, my boy from uh, the OG Saw film. Oh, you and your fucking uh, Saw, bro. So, bra! Star of the first Saw film. Yeah, and, and also one of the co-writers. Uh, a co-star of the Insidious movies. Yeah. Uh, he directed uh, a couple of them as well. But, more recently, a movie that we actually both really liked that he directed, uh, Upgrade. Upgrade is excellent. And yeah, um, uh, yeah so uh, I mean, a remake of one of the universal classic monster films. And I mean, we've seen this remade a couple times, correct? Not uh, recently. I guess Hollow Man's not technically an no, Invisible no, Man. No, no, no. That's a Paul Verhoeven movie. But it is Invisible Man. Yes. <laughs> it's but it's also. Up, but... <laughs> yeah. It, but I love Paul Verhoeven. He's a goat. Like, Greatest yeah. of all time, but Hollow Man to me is truly one of the most ickiest movies. It's real. I haven't watched it in ages. You but could I ever would, like, watch, and plus, yeah. it's also just really dated because it was made in the early late nineties, early two. I would love to watch it before this just to compare. Oh, take a shower afterwards, man. Like I, I, I remember watching it not too long ago, um, and it seems like what I like about this trailer. I mean, a lot of people are saying it gives away too much, but what I do like it about this does. trailer. Is it's showing you an actual? It's being metaphorical to a, a real breakup, to a real relationship hanging, 
you know, or clinging on to Someone just kind of, you. A, yeah, the ghost being, of them kind of trying. Yeah, like, and, and not being able to move on because you you're, you fear that the relationship that you've put behind you is still lingering there. Yeah. And, and the abuse that, you know, a person goes through... And sort of takes with them even after they're they're out of it. And I think that idea applied to the universal monster um, makes it very contemporary and relevant in a way that, you know, something like uh, the Dark Universe mummy movie just they didn't know what to do. And this is the way you bring in the the the, uh, the monster movie into the 21st century is you find a way like to make get it relevant out. to contemporary yeah, audiences. Like get out as right. well. You you you. You show them something that is will scare them in 2019. Yeah, yeah, but is also something that's real. Yeah, totally. In, that's in what some I mean. Ways, yeah, right. Like you could take out the invisible man thing and just and have a still, relationship. Yeah, uh, thriller. But you're adding the genre element to make it more digestible. I totally agree with that, and that's what I, really excites me about this. And like, I, I think the trailer is quite good. I just, I do worry that it does give away the entire film. And, uh, but I, I still think a good film is a good film. Right. So like, if the movie's good, then even though the trailer, like, you ultimately kind of know where it's gonna go right. anyway. And knowing but... what One L did with Upgrade and some of the violence and yeah. morbid gallows humor. I'm sure that will be a factor in the film. And I think that they there will be more within the movie that we'll get. Like, I think, obviously, Elizabeth Moss is will be great yeah. in the movie. So, like, it who knows? Maybe this will be a big release because it is coming out in February. Blumhouse has done this recently with, with both Get Out and then Us opening in, in March, not too far away afterwards. So, like, maybe this will be that film... Um, this year i hope so i mean it looks i, I i'm really into this and i, I i'm ex, kind of excited to see this and upgrade showed me like i think that's a super super underrated kind of little movie that came and went with i mean obviously genre fans went to go see yeah. it but i don't think it really expanded more than that and jason but. blum again it's like okay you know what uh, we gave you like two million for uh, for for upgrade, and it overperformed. So, we'll so give we're going to give you five million dollars, <laughs> yeah. and See you can you use can you can use the uh, the interiors of my second Malibu home for <laughs> yeah. scenes. That'll yeah. save us an extra million. So I mean, go God bless him. You know, like he he's knows what he's fucking doing. Yeah, so. and he's he's he he truly is the modern Roger Corman yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, the Purge movies have done really well for him, obviously, but like. I really appreciate that he is also giving somebody like Jordan Peele um, the opportunity to make something that's also very artful. The creative freedom, yeah. right? Like he, he, yeah, that's the other thing he's always talked about. It's like, you know, because the budgets are so low, he can kind of he doesn't let have to do, worry about and it, and he kind of right? lets them do whatever the fuck they want. And if it fails, then it's not really too much skin off his back yeah right? no like, it's interesting because I'm, I'm sure you saw this on twitter earlier today but the remake of fantasy island done horror style a trailer is playing it, yeah. before doctor sleep the way that the hunt and happy death day to me played uh before other movies um but the trailer hasn't been released online yet it's um, unfortunate our screening of Doctor Sleep didn't have that. Well, I mean, it's Universal though, right? So they're not Warner Brothers right. and Universal aren't going to yeah. play nice. But um, I was kind of intrigued by that idea because I mean, the Ricardo Montalban series is really goofy, and maybe they can again recontextualize the that series and make it into something more interesting. But then I saw the director, and I was like, no. Who is it? Jeff Wadlow. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> 
for those of you that don't know Jeff Wadlow, uh, he directed the horrible Kick-Ass 2 and I think a couple other Truth shitty Netflix or Dare. movies. Truth or Dare. Which and, was also a Blumhouse movie. But that was another one that made was made for like $5 sure, million and, made, and made 20 Sure, yeah. That's all it needs to do, yeah. right? And then he went on to make some Netflix stuff, I think, that no one saw. But yeah. I don't know. He sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Uh, <laughs> anyways, I'm excited <laughs> for Invisible Man. A uh, couple Apple TV Plus uh, trailers. Uh, we got, uh, I think, the f- is this the first narrative Apple TV Plus movie, The Banker? Ye- no, Holla. Oh, oh, yeah. Holla. But this is, I think, the first one they produced. produced in-house, yeah. yes. Uh, starring... Um, Anthony Mackie and Samuel Jackson and Sam Nicholas Jackson. Holt. Yes. Uh, about a kind of, you know, they're buying um, houses in predominantly white neighborhoods and trying to sell them to, um, you know, black families and things like that. Yeah. In the In the early, is it like the... 60s 50s 60s uh, yeah yeah around the 60s so trying to yeah so i mean what did you think of this trailer i mean i i liked uh i i thought it was very slick and yeah it, um it's it's i mean apple's very good at slick i guess is is a good term to describe apple um i don't know like I, i'm intrigued i'm not a huge anthony mackie fan and i know i've shit on him a lot like when we like i've never really sold on anthony mackie i mean i obviously i love sam jackson and he's good um, in supporting roles like the hurt locker and half nelson yeah um but i know what you mean like i feel like a little goes a long way um i mean i've interviewed him and he's he seemed kind of like a nice guy sure i i I, I mean i don't doubt that no no no, i'm not saying that i'm just saying like in terms of his own like personality but like i've just never been a huge anthony mackie fan no i i agree like i i've never been like wow you know anthony mackie really blew me away except for Hurt Locker, which I yeah. thought he was great in. This is looks entertaining. Um, I don't really have much else to I don't, say. I don't either. That, I mean, but... it's playing at AFI, so we'll probably hear more about it soon. But I, uh... I didn't even hear about it, and then it's coming out early December. So... Yeah, I mean, it's one of their... In theaters, and then... Yeah, it's one of their first Oscar players, I guess, but I don't know if it's going to be an Oscar film. No, so... I mean, there were people talking about how they would love to see Sam Jackson finally get his due, kind of. Yeah, I mean, one, he's like... Sam Jackson has only ever been nominated for one Oscar. Pulp Fiction Fiction supporting actor 94 lost to Martin Landau for Ed Wood. Damn. Um, I would have loved to see him win that because he's he should have been nominated for Django. There was something else as well that he's consistently always my most watched actor. But he's in everything. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know if like I love Sam Jackson, but he's one of those guys where it's like he will take any uh, role. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's Nick. He's Nicholas Cage, but he's Nicholas Cage prestige. Nicholas Nicholas Cage. Cage. But he'll sometimes pop up even in the VOD movies as well, and it's like yeah. Yeah. You know what? Sure. <laughs> I had 20 minutes. They asked me to shoot this scene, and I said, sure. Yeah. And so, now I'm on the front cover of this VVS Blu-ray. Yeah. God. <laughs> we love you, VVS. But yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It looks slick. I don't know. My, I don't really have much else to say. I, I'm curious. I wonder if it will get a Canadian release. Like, who did anyone pick it up here? Or? No, like, I mean, I so think we'll Apple, just have to stream it. Is Apple releasing things themselves? So yeah, at this moment, yes. And they'll probably be doing the same thing as Netflix and Amazon now where they do... Unless the they have of- a deal with like a company like A24 sure. where you know the new Sofia Coppola movie on the rocks right. will but be... But that's going direct to Apple TV. It's not right. theatrical, really? right? I think. 
I thought it was the act. Or I is it going to do the, going Or maybe it is during the month, and then yeah. So it'll probably play independent theaters, much like the Netflix stuff is. Yeah, and now even Amazon, because yeah. Amazon is has even like that's the interesting thing. Like, with the exception of Honey Boy, the Report and the Aeronauts are movies that are doing that month long window thing. Well, not even a month. It's Just like a couple two weeks, weeks. Yeah. and then they're on the streaming services. Where before Amazon was always releasing their stuff theatrically. And I think well, they last probably year saw that it was Suspiria yeah. bombing so yeah, hard. Yeah, they probably that, were just like, it's not worth it. We might as well just do the two-week run for the people, the hardcore people who really want to go see it. Yeah. And then throw it on streaming services. But then, but then again, that also hurts it because now, like, I feel like people are just slowly starting to warm up to Netflix with the content that they have and, like, with the award-caliber movies Films, that they're yeah. they're producing. But at the same time, it's like, there's still going to be, I mean, with last year as well, with Green Book and Roma, there, like this year, I'm sure there's going to be a conversation with whatever's nominated against, you know, The Irishman and Marriage Story, where it's like... Well, you know, Netflix could have three films, right? Yeah, and like, The Two Popes, yeah. where, like, you'll get the Spielberg still, you know... Like, it would be amazing <laughs> if, like, Joker gets nominated for Best Picture and Spielberg's like, a vote for Joker is a vote for the cinematic experience. Hey, I mean, I mean that movie. How much that film has made and like is still doing so well. It's is... gonna get a best picture nomination. If, for if sure. it get, if it gets a directing nomination, like I you know, don't think it will. I don't either, but, but it could. <laughs> at this point, it could. If Peter Fairley gets nominated, if someone then... like Jessica Chastain is talking about Joker and saying that... Phoebe Waller Bridge and Greta Gerwig, right? Recently, who are respected, <laughs> right? <laughs> like... And would be you know against. You know, Todd, Todd Phillips. Phillips. Yeah. But, yeah, someone I mean, was... they're not in the... Well, no, Greta Gerwig is. She's in the DGA. But um, I, I could see it sweeping. Like, I could see it being the in first... everything, right? Yeah. Like, Black Panther was the first comic book movie, but, like, the one to get, like, 20 nominations. Might be Joker, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because you got to think cinematography, score, it has a chance in both of those... Acting, it's production a lock. design, uh, production design, costume, costumes, makeup. makeup, it's a lock. Actor, um, obviously, actors a lock. Best picture, I think, is close to being a Even lock. Even screenplay. Um, I actually do think adapted screenplay. Yeah, it would be adapted, right? Yeah, yeah. adapted screenplay um, is probably a lock. So where else could it show up? There's no supporting. You editing. No, but editing could be a strong possibility. Like. Yeah, it's fat. And then, yeah, I just the, the thing that came out this week was like, oh, Greta Gerwig and Phoebe Waller-Bridge <laughs> said how great it was. And you're like, all right, cool. Uh, I mean, I we both really like the movie. Adding to I the mean, discourse. It, and the discourse won't stop. And I mean, it has kind of slowed down. But once Oscar well, it's nominations sl- it's slowed out, down because this this is this is film Twitter in a nutshell. Yeah. Joker, 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 Joker. Parasite, Parasite, Parasite. Yeah. Martin Scorsese, Marvel. Martin Scorsese, Marvel. Martin <laughs> yeah, Scorsese, yeah. Marvel. Yeah. Martin Scorsese, Marvel. Yeah. Which is, yeah. And then with the Irishman coming out, it just won't stop. But we're yeah. going to talk about Marty's opt-ed in a little bit. But, um, yeah, it's, it, ah, dude, it's going to be an interesting Oscar season for sure. And, um, I mean, our last. I mean, it's going to be a shorter one, too, because. Yeah. Um, the Oscars this year at the beginning of February. Right, my so, birthday, I think. Yeah, gonna... so everything else is going to be moved up. So, like, the Critics' Choice Awards will be in January, Golden Globes, SAG. 
you know, like voting deadlines will be mid-December. That's why everything. I think is... 1917 and Little Women are screening so early. Yeah, for the us. only movie that's not going to make it is Cats in Star Wars. <laughs> in Star right? Wars. Yeah, <laughs> Cats. Well, more importantly, Cats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then finally, um, Servant, which is an Apple TV uh, Plus uh, show by M Night Shyamalan, which is about a young family who uh, goes through a horrific tragedy with their newborn And hires a, a nanny to look after their child. Their quote-unquote child. So I don't think Which they is... gave that away in the trailer. So it's, so it's not it's... a spoiler, but their child passes away at uh, a very early age. And to cope with the death of their child, uh, they get a, um, a doll... For, for the family to take care of to kind of cope with the death it's of the It's kind of like child. a Tamagotchi. So they hire a <laughs> nanny to um, take care of this doll, and um, there might be something sinister going on with Right, uh, but you don't everyone. know if it's the nanny or the or if it's the parents yeah or maybe there's something else. Yeah. And I'll tell you exactly, and this might be a spoiler, uh, but I'm not. This is your prediction? Yeah. Do you know what this trailer reminded me of you said exactly? The boy. The boy. Yeah, which is I don't think I ever saw it. What is it? So it's the film with uh, Lauren uh, Cohen from the Walking Dead movies, where um, she gets invited to this house in I believe it's in England, and this older couple says like, "Can you watch um, our son uh, Bram while we uh, go on vacation?" And when she gets there, she finds out that the child is a plastic doll okay and it's like you need to do these things and follow these uh strict rules and regiments while we're gone and see ya and so the whole time she's like at first like kind of like is this like a joke and then she starts to kind of do it a little bit but then it's like i'm an adult i don't have to do any of this and then weird creepy things start happening so um yeah sounds yeah. like what this is going. I can to tell be, you but... what the twist is off. Yeah, we, but, you you can because there's yeah. a sequel to the boy coming out in February with oh, Katie there is? Holmes. Oh really? I'd... Called the boy two Bram. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. God damn it! All right, cool. Yeah, I'll talk to you about it at off air. I thought this. Um, I don't know. M Night is. We talk about this. He's always someone that I kind of cheer for, and um, as much as uh, he's hit or miss in his entire career, um. I'm intrigued by this. I think it's the one Apple TV Plus show other than Dickinson, which I mentioned earlier, where I'm like, you know what? I will immediately kind of check that out. Right. It looks nicely shot. I was kind of surprised, though, because I didn't realize that it was like – I don't know if this is going to be like an anthology mini – like an anthology series or if this is going to be just like a one-off thing. But like I was thinking this was like part one – of like a Tales from the Crypt Keeper esque show because I know he was trying to do that on what was it TNT something like that yeah and so I was thinking oh maybe he was doing the same kind of thing with this and calling it Servant like each episode would be delivered the way that you know Disney Plus is delivering but their content. maybe each season will be something yeah. different well that's right? what I was thinking yeah. with, with like anthology series right like we're like American Horror Story, Horror Story or, or even Fargo to a certain degree even though there are connections within Fargo but it's a different. Self-contained story. story yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm intrigued by it. I, it looks creepy. The doll looks way better than the American uh, sniper Her doll. Baby, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, they should have hired this baby, yeah. right? Um, this baby looks way this better. baby's rates were too high. <laughs> God damn it. So, I don't know. I'm intrigued by that. So We couldn't um, get the Gerber baby. <laughs> that baby in American fucking sniper is so bad. 
Uh, That's why Cooper, Bradley Cooper actually got the Oscar nomination. Yeah, that baby should have, that plastic baby should have got a nomination. Uh, all right, on to the news. Uh, some big stuff this week. I mean, let's start with Marty's op-ed in the New York Times. So, I mean, we discussed Marty on Marvel, I think, either the last episode or the episode before. Yeah, Twitter won't shut up about it. And we won't either. Uh, we don't need to go too much into this because I think we said our opinions uh, last week. Although now I think we ha- with this article, I think we can maybe talk about it a little bit more. And I know we've talked in private about it, but... Um, I want to know your thoughts on the article, uh, if you agree, disagree, what parts of it you agree with, disagree with, kind of, we can, we don't have to spend too much time, but, um, I mean, I'll, I'll just kick it off and thought, I, I thought it was, it's exactly what I was talking about when we first brought this up, I think, where I think people were taking his quote out of context and using it in our in our headline culture, people only read one sentence that is a trending topic on Twitter and kind of comment on it that way. And I don't think his thoughts were fully formed. They were kind of taken out of context. So I thought it was interesting that he felt it was necessary because obviously he saw over the last couple of weeks that people were twisting his words. And, well, and also and probably people were just continually asking him during about interviews. It. So because like, like <laughs> during the net, so right before the Netflix uh, press conference, um, the the PR people were like, please, please ask, yeah, only about Irishman, Irishman questions, because I'm sure at that point he was even annoyed by annoyed it. by because that's all he was being asked, and like, I'm sure he would have written that article by then, so his yeah. thoughts would have been kind of out there. So I thought the article, and I tweeted this, is it mostly in jest, but I was serious of like, can I love the MCU but also agree with everything, mostly everything Marty said in that article. And I think that's kind of where I stand with it is like, I think he made, I won't pull up the article and we can kind of just go off memory, but like, I thought he made some really good points about where the film industry is right now and where we are when it comes to what your definition of cinema is and what's playing in cinemas right now. Well, specifically Um, multiplexes, right? Like and Scorsese grew up in a time where multiplexes had, you know, documentaries and studio movies. Well, he and saw the evolution from the single screen cinema right. to multiplexes, right? Yeah. And and I think that's something we talk about almost weekly is what multiplexes are are almost ruining cinema, right? And whether it's from projection or whatever, that's a different story. But I thought he was making really good points about. Hey, there are a lot of good, and this is what I talked about. Like he was kind of in my original thoughts of like his quote out of context. I'm like, it's not his thing, but he is shitting on this thing that there are a lot of good people who, who work on these movies and they are good movies, but it just depends on what your definition of what cinema is. And he explained his thoughts very, very well and made some very strong points about where we are at as the film industry or in the film industry that I agreed with completely. But I think I can differentiate between what Marvel movies do for me and what movies or cinema as art does for me. And I like both of those things. And I also believe that Marvel movies and superhero movies can get into some of the themes he was talking about in that article that I don't think he gives those movies credit for really like he's he's very black and white in the sense of like those are popcorn entertainment and then this is art where i feel like there is a little bit more to some of those movies not all of them but i did agree with that 
he talked about the repetitiveness and the kind of recycling of the same, you know, emotional beats and the same stories over and over again. And well, feeding, the third act structure of most superhero Yeah, and films. he's been talking about that for ages, about the third three-act structure and, and how it doesn't really service films very well. And, right, that's and, kind of why I like The Girl with the and, Dragon Tattoo, the David Fincher one, yeah. because it literally has five acts. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> so, like, I think there's a place for for all of this stuff and i think he does a really good job of explaining like we're stuck in this weird cycle of like everything is hyper he says like hyper analyzed and 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 marketed and and we're giving people exactly what they think they want and and there's no room for art really anymore because art doesn't really make money like these other movies right. do well there was and, a great um i don't know if you saw it but there's a a, a clip with Roger Ebert going yes, around online great. right now on TVO I, I retweeted it where yeah. he talks about it and he also sums it up perfectly where you know you can you can recommend a movie like Parasite yeah. and be like this is a film that moved me in a way I haven't felt in the last you know six seven months like this is the film of the year I think this is going to define 2019 and you talk about you know the, the the class warfare and hierarchy and that kind of thing and then you know the person looks at you is like okay well what did you think about this movie or it's like i don't know this more that conventional just, movie. that yeah. doesn't that sounds like like people like I, I i agree with what roger Ebert was also saying where like he doesn't even know if like the you know mass majority of people even like movies they just go to them because they want to get a certain escapism number, entertainment yeah of explosions of and and special effects and get their, their titillated money they want to be right. titillated yes and he makes a great point of like some people you could suggest them the french bistro but really they just want burger King. but there's nothing wrong with and burger i mean we that's had what mcdonald's I mean. oh, for yeah, dinner although did. i will say this about that big mac not as good as the big mac in, in weathering with you yeah um was this not good it's, it was fine it was fine it's serviceable and that's exactly. what a lot a lot of great not point. just just not even just marvel movies but a lot of these kind of big multiplex movies <laughs> tentpole multiplex studio produced films and it's interesting where he's not he's actually kind of condemning the audience for continuing to just take that or, yeah. or accept that because it's you the viewer the audience that is giving the money to the studio and to that's say, why they keep making those movies yes yeah. <laughs> and 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 the unfortunate thing though that he also talks about it in the homogenization of it all and you we've both have seen this is that there's not a lot of room for the mid-tier movie anymore right. and for the most part the mid-tier film is now ending up being produced on a streaming service like netflix but so are the low-tier movies right well, except yeah, for art house theaters, but yeah. art, yes, but but there's not a, like if you go to you know the Durham region, there's not an art house theater in the Durham region. Yeah, like, yeah. There's not, and so it is kind of killing, you know, these filmmakers that start at Sundance or a festival, and you know are trying to work their way up. So all they have, and he, he's Scorsese's also talked about this in other interviews where. You know, you take a filmmaker that's made maybe one or two movies that's played festivals and is critically acclaimed, and then they don't have, you know, the middle movie to make anymore to really cut their teeth on. You just jump you know, right into throw a them into the hundred and fifty million dollar the factory assembly yeah. line, and then they make 
this product where the machines are already built, everything is already moving and functioning. All you need to do is just be the superintendent. And that's not always the case, but you can put your come stamp on, on it Ant-Man, a little bit, but yeah. And Ant-Man versus the Wasp or Ant-Man and the Wasp and then like is an assembly Reed line is, movie. Yeah. Sorry, he is. And yeah. th- those movies are. We're like I understand like James Gunn and 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 Ryan Coogler are bringing Taika Waititi. Uh, and Taika Waititi are bringing a little bit more to it, but there still is a certain protection around those films totally. as well, right? Yeah. Where at least with Jojo Rabbit, like you can understand like Taika is making his movie. Yeah, I totally you know? agree. Yeah. Um so like I think Scorsese again is making really valid and interesting points about how these bigger movies and how the audience is not the we need to take more risks or we at least need to have the option. Like that's the thing that I've always been very vocal about is like I want the option. I don't want just the same thing. Yeah, I'll have a Big Mac. Yeah. But I'm also going to want to have some sushi every now and again or I'm always going to want to have you know, a, a you know a burrito, like or, an eclectic mix. Yeah, it's yeah. not about one thing or another. And unfortunately, the multiplexes are specifically are just the one thing. They yeah. are just the one thing. Like like Parasite now at at Landmark Cinema and Whippy is only playing twice, two screenings a two day. Two screenings a day. It was only yeah. released at Landmark Cinemas and Whippy last week. Yeah. Have you checked to see how the screenings, like, did you check to see how many seats are sold or anything? on our- No, I didn't. I would love to do that after this. Yeah, movie, and, like- and so that film's only played a week there. It's going to be a big Oscar contender, and it feels like it's going to be gone by next next weekend. Right. But Joker still has six screens, right? So, like, that that's the kind of stuff that kind of is a little bit disheartening, especially when, you know, and, and this can be the blame of the exhibitor as well. But it just it, that's the thing that bothers me the most is where, you know, like movies like that. Yeah, see, like you're looking. But that's at a it ten now. ten showing, right. and it's only eight o'clock right now. But that's but only the one of the two showings. Five that's left. seats sold. <laughs> but yeah, that's, I know. so I, I'd be curious to see what the seven p.m. show did or whatever. Right. right? Um, I'll go to Landmark's website. But. Yeah, and 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 again, like there's tons of movies that we've talked about on this show that we we love. Like again, like something like The Nightingale. Like The Nightingale is not an easy movie, and I can't just flat out recommend it without saying like it. Yeah, it's going to challenge you, and it's going to make you think about unpleasant things in life. But they're they're a part of life and you need to face those things and you need right. to be a but grown that's a up super about tough it. sell to yeah. uh, your, your typical. Audience, yeah. That's, right? that's the kind of sell that you can't necessarily give to your aunts and uncles during Thanksgiving or Christmas. But at the same time as a critic talking about it, yeah. I will say, yes, I would see the nightingale before seeing Aquaman two yeah. or whatever i mean i think it's a testament to parasite that it's even playing in whippy i know like, but um, it's just a shame that it's only like it like literally only has two screenings now right and, you yeah. know and like for a film that is going to be around for a little while longer like it seems like you know like oh what do i want to see do i want to go see the foreign language movie that's all in korean or right. do i want to see joker again 
I told, I mean, I'm guilty of it too, dude. Yeah. Like, I mean, even at home where I could be expanding my palette, even of watching older films or, or newer foreign films or, or something like that, that you like, feel more comfortable watching that you've seen a hundred times that you don't have to invest. It's exactly why I'm watching star Wars or right. all the Marvel movies. Right? Or like, like, you know, or, the holidays are coming up. Like, yeah, like I'll, I'll, I'll I'm watch guilty home of this alone too. Yeah, home fucking, alone. I'll watch yeah. that again. Where like, yeah. I could be watching some new yeah, foreign film that I haven't seen before, something I haven't seen. But you in talk, the past. It's that thing we talk about comfort food right. as film, but right? it's getting like, to the point now where it truly is killing, you know, that market. And again, like Scorsese grew up at a time where he got to see films like Eight and a Half playing in a cinema in a, in a like, cinema yeah. next to whatever the major release of the week was, the major American picture. Um, those things have definitely changed, and those times have changed. Well, but I think that it's just. A numbers game too like there's yeah. so much content now too that it's well like, everything's competing right? yeah and it, it's again yeah for a finite amount of time and you're also not only competing with other films you're competing with television you're competing with social media you're competing with books you're competing with friends and hanging out outside you're competing with like all of this shit so and I the think theatrical why, like, experience isn't the same is not what it used to be it's not very good we no. talk about that at length every yeah. week and it's i feel like if people put a little bit more effort into the you know presentation, presentation of yeah. it all then maybe going to the movies would feel special and it's something i think about too because i mean scorsese talks about when he was younger and would go to the movies and things like that i'm like yeah if you talk about a time period between you know the the 60s and the in mm. the early 90s of imagine what access you had to television and, and content at home which compared, was very limited because there wasn't compared even to, at that point vcrs yeah, yet compared to what you would get at the film like yeah. seeing something at the theater you had to go well you had to go to the theater to even see you know a, a, a classic but movie dude that imagine you the difference between what you could watch at home and what you could watch at, cinema hasn't really I mean, it's changed from projection and sound has got improved and projectors, projections going to digital and but, 4K. But how you see but, it, though, as well, that's the thing that I'm talking about. So back in like the 50s, 60s and 70s, even into the 90s, a lot of this stuff wasn't available the way it is now. That's what I mean. watch at home. But the thing is, like, you had to you know, look at your local rep cinema to see when 2001 was playing or when Rashomon was on TV, if it were ever on TV, like you just couldn't. Sure. But what I'm even saying is like, imagine your 13 inch fucking television you had at home. And I'm saying cinemas haven't really changed. The screen sizes are still the same. Yeah. Imagine how much better that would be to go to the fucking movies and see this giant fucking screen with these great speakers and how much that would have fucking ruled. And it's still great to this day, but you didn't have access to a 4K TV and a right. Dolby Atmos soundbar in basically every fucking home in North America. So what I'm saying is like back then, of course... Or physical copies of yeah, media, and right? Of course the movies would have blown your mind back then and, and it would have been fucking incredible. You're seeing a a, a, a gigantic screen and projected with a group of people. Like it was a special thing, right? Where now... People are on their fucking phones. They're talking. The speakers are shitty. The projection's not very good. Well, look you at our like screening a, at last Christmas. Like, yeah. the Like, again. So we had a... I mean, I guess we'll mention it again on the last Christmas review, but we had We can a, talk about it here, and we'll just talk about the movie. Yeah, like, so we had a couple there. during the last... <laughs> so this was... Because before you, you and Nevis showed up, 
he got there early with either his wife or partner or, or whoever and it was so weird like he he kind of seemed like a bit of a stodgy asshole to begin with but he put his coat on the seat um below him in front of in him. front of him yeah so i was thinking the whole time i was like why did, why would you do that like, yeah I don't, get, I don't get that at all and and so like for for the whole time i was saving the two seats for for you and nevis and then next to me there's this his coat that's on this other seat no one's sitting there um and he is kind of having this kind of grumpy conversation with his partner about like whether or not he wanted to go to the concession stand and get something and she said well i brought water and he was like whatever and um during the movie uh he like some people started giving his play-by-play commentary on what was going on in a way that wasn't even whispery like it was like it was his indoor voice fully loud and yeah and i was surprised with you because you were having a tough day with apple already i was already frustrated and like i was like wow you are giving this guy more wiggle room than he probably deserves because i was getting close to the point of, of turning because me around. and you were going to each other and going yeah yeah, yeah, yeah i'm this a, close to and then like, you did and he stopped for the most part although he kind of did it again yeah and i know i don't we've talked about this before i don't know if it's like just a kind of you know they don't realize they're doing it or if it's like to get attention from people. Cause sometimes I feel like people do do it. I don't even think it, it, I think it's just, you know, that's just, they're used to talking to their partner about movies watching at home and they don't realize that they're in fucking right. public. And, and then the people. guy who eventually sat next to me where the coat was, which was weird because the guy saw the coat, like usually people, when they see the coat, they either ask or yeah. they just walk away. But this one guy who was late, shows up sits there with the coat the coat's still on there about 20 minutes into the movie the guy moves the coat and then this guy who's sitting next to me fucking pulls out his phone yeah and starts sending an email yeah i'm like are you fucking ridiculous yeah. like do you not have any empathy or understanding of like other people are watching this and trying to do this and we're doing this as i mean yeah. quote unquote a profession but yeah. it's still our job and it's like Take that outside if it's that important. And then he goes afterwards and grabs popcorn from, from his, his friend yeah. who was sitting in a different section. And it was just a nightmare. And this is and like, this is where like the like the anti-Scorsese thing comes into play yeah. to bring it all back. It's like Why the fuck do I even want to yeah, go? Yeah, because movies? like after I texted you when I was on the go train back and I was just kinda like yeah, I'm I'm really starting to think like maybe promo screenings are just not worth it anymore. Right. Because I could go see this Thursday night. Right. And it would be like I find the promo audiences like almost. I mean, opening night audiences can be almost as bad too. But um, I mean, it's just that it's. And I don't blame people for not wanting to really go to the movies, but and they only go a couple times per year because I wouldn't want to put up with a lot of this shit either. And like, I applaud places like Alamo and 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 ArcLight in LA and and places like that who have strict policies and and technical kind of things that they uh standards and, and things and like that. And then people get mad at you when you ask tell them, them yeah. to be quiet. I, I, I've or put got away it their down phone. to a science where I'm like sternly but politely tell right. people to But it's still stop, almost like you've but... offended their them as a person. Right. You know, like and it's weird, it's like 
do you not think like maybe like what you're doing is distracting to others? And if people just sit there and internalize it and don't say anything to these people, then people are going to keep doing it. So I will gladly be the martyr for the theater. You're going to be the hero. And like fucking tell people like just stop. Stop. Like I I hate being that guy. And I'm like, am I overly sensitive? Probably. Right. But, but then like, you worry as well. Like, I mean, not that it's ever happened. And, and, and again, like you do it violent or something like that. Because I mean, we, we saw had, something yeah. recently. I, we, we don't want to probably talk, talk about, about it, it too yeah. much or, or put anybody in, in a position. But we witnessed something where it got sort of physical. And it didn't need to. And it didn't need to. Yeah. And like, I think there is a proper way of telling people some- in a theater to stop doing you something you think is inappropriate right and um, sometimes you just don't know who you're talking, talking to, to. Yeah. like you don't know what kind of temperament they have and especially like like i know you you're not gonna like get into a fist fight like you'll just leave if oh. you're truly upset with something <sighs> you won't i haven't seen you ever beat somebody up over talking uh, you know, in a theater or something like that. You would see me yell at someone. I don't think you'd ever see me get physical. physical like, that's if what the I person mean. was being an asshole back to me and started getting aggressive with me, I wouldn't back down, I don't think. Right. But but I'm saying you wouldn't do something that would get you into trouble. No, in because terms we're of also like, doing it as a profession yeah. as well, right? Like, who wants to be the guy that's known for being arrested at a last Christmas screen? Exactly. <laughs> like, I know we're doing it as a profession, so... Me telling someone to stop doing something and if they came back at me, like, again, it goes back to I, – I, I'll give people – if anyone listening, like, if you're annoyed with people, there's a way of doing it where you just politely but sternly tell someone. You go, excuse me, could you stop going on your phone, please? Or excuse me, could you stop talking, please? Always use please and always say excuse me and then you're never really in the wrong because you're – Asking them to stop doing something they shouldn't be doing, right? right? So then if they get aggressive towards you, you're in the right. All you have to do is go, listen, I, I'm just asking you to stop doing something you shouldn't be doing. And you never really have to get physical or overly aggressive with people because then you're the good person. You're the right. good guy in that situation. You're going, listen, you're being unreasonable right now. If you're going to come at me to say like I'm Over something rude, like this. Like where I'm just asking you to fucking be courteous for the people around you. You're not in your fucking living room. Yeah. So like it, that's the frustrating thing. So then that makes this whole conversation getting it back to Scorsese. And sometimes like, like I mean the worst case scenario is that, you know, if you're in a, in a science eating situation, you can just change your seat or move you know like i find the best situation sometimes if you truly are fed up with that person is that you just remove yourself from the situation so there's no situation to deal with yeah it's um it's a complicated thing all of this but um ultimately i love marvel movies and i think they serve a purpose but i'm with you where Obviously, I want the option for both Marvel stuff, that popcorn Big Mac entertainment that we just indulged in right before this podcast. And sometimes I want that, you know, uh, you know, more artful kind of um, emotional experience or fulfilling experience. For, I'm not saying that superhero movies can't be fulfilling in a different way, right? Like some people do go to the movies for escapism. And who are you to say that? They're shitty for doing that, right? right? Like it's all personal. And I don't preference. think Scorsese was attacking necessarily the person for enjoying that. Like he was talking it's more, more the about studio the studio system, studio system, and, and, stuff and especially like that. I mean, Disney seems to be the biggest culprit to yeah. it all right now. And and I don't I don't disagree with that. Uh, let's 
we have a lot more news to go over. We spent a lot of time on that. It's it's something that um, I think we'll still be talking about. I'm just looking yeah. at that porg over there. It looks like he's peeking out at me. Yeah, that, I have a porg with my TIFF badge on just hanging out on my uh, TV shelf. Uh, let's touch on the James Dean thing. So uh, It's got a new sausage brand. Yeah, God. Uh, recently, a um, a company that I don't even really feel like I so need to it's name, it's a, but... all to do with right now the uh, American film market is is taking place and you you'll be hearing a lot of news where it's like you know these packages are being presented to by these shitty film companies that yeah, these get these the... these upstart companies but also um, production companies that are looking for funding for their films so they'll present like oh we have a package deal with you know x y or z actor or director and this script and we're looking for funding can you know like can we get international funding or can we get enough uh can we get a, a studio to to back us to go and make this movie and and a lot of these projects will mostly never see the light of day some of them are already done and are just looking for distribution like the way that um the director of uncle boomy's uh uncle boomy we're calling his uh last life was just picked up by neon the same way that parasite was picked up by neon at the american film market uh Last the previous year, year. Yeah. yeah um so we'll see uh with with that movie um but wait what did happen- that movie come out a while ago no it's in it's it's in post-production they Uncle, just shot Uncle it over Boon the... Me? No, no, no. It's from it's from the same director. Oh, Because I can't director. pronounce that guy's name sure. so you're for saying the life it's of from, me. Sorry, I zoned out for a yes. second. So, yeah. Yeah. So, the movie's called Memoria, and it has right. Tilda Swinton going to Cambodia. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, wait, they just picked up that movie? No, <laughs> I saw no, that. no, no, no. I'm like, uh, that played Magnol- Tiff No, Magnolia has yeah. that. That played back in 2011. Yeah, I, I remember. Yeah, yeah, I recall. Yeah. I just can't pronounce that director's last name. I think he goes by, like, it's like a nickname, like Archie or something like that. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, but anyways, James Dean being resurrected through CG, um, to play a character. And it's not even his voice. Another actor will be providing his voice. And I guess it's just his likeness is going to be used for this character in this world war. I thought it was Vietnam, a Vietnam war, um, film. Yeah. Um, Called finding Jack. Yeah. Which sounds like a really pretentious title to begin with. And they're like, we searched far and wide for the lead of this film. And the only person that made sense was The only James person Dean. we could dig up was I'm James like, are Dean. you fucking kidding me, dude? Like, this is, like, I understand. So, this feels grosser to me because he has absolutely no say in it. And I know his family gave permission for them to do it. But it just feels so skeezy to be like, there is no one who could have played this role except for fucking James Dean. And then resurrecting this guy and digitally recreating him. And I know there's something like with Peter Cushing in... Uh, is Peter Cushing in yeah. Star Wars? In Rogue One. Uh, in Rogue One. Um, but these are things, these are characters these people played, right? So for me, it's like they chose to play that character in in their actual lives and uh we are going to be reprising their role with permission from their family so at least they to me had some say in the sense of like yes this is a role i took on but i don't know if so, Peter like say with peter cushing though like i don't know if they at the time that they were making uh, star wars the first film that they knew the magnitude of what it was going to I be i understand that dude but do you understand like you get that like i, I, yeah, I get it's a had... role i get it's a role but but i also understand the point of view where it's like it's still because this so the debate is basically you know uh grave robbing or yeah, yeah. so this has happened a, a few times before this as well so um 
I already knew this, but I should give him credit because he posted a, a photo of it. So Peter Kaplowski posted a photo of Lawrence Olivier, who his uh, archival footage of him was used for Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow in one scene where they kind of used like his head to sure. be kind of like a Wizard of Oz kind of type character. And then there was another situation that was almost exactly the same where they took Brando and they used him for Superman Returns. They used footage of him that had never been used before. And you could even talk about... But he also played that character. Yeah, and you could even now right? talk about, like, uh, um, Carrie Fisher with sure. Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. But, but the one that I think is also kind of interesting as well that also has to do with war is the World War One movie that Peter Jackson uh, documentary that he directed... Uh, last year or released last year uh, they shall not grow old where they took the actual faces of the men and women that served in world war ii and put them on uh, actors faces to recreate certain sequences so it almost looked like snapchat like you know like the way that you, you take sure, a, a yeah. face and and so that was a, a an ethical debate as well because like literally you're taking people the likeness of people who served in World War One. A lot of these people were killed, and you're bringing them back to life for a reason that isn't. Ma there, there's no malice to it in the sense like you're trying to show them who these people were. Like you're trying to give them life again because you know you're showing a documentary of what it was like in the trenches and 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 going through the hell that they went through. But there's also this fine line. It's like how can you talk to every single person's family? And, and taking all this footage and then repurposing it as as a doc and showing these characters, even though they might, might have served, but did they do this? Were they in this particular scene or not? Yeah. Right? And that's kind of what the James Dean thing is coming down to a little bit, where yeah. you're taking the likeness of an actor who exists or existed and had tragically no was cut in down this. in life. Yeah, and had no choice at all yeah. to be in this. And you're kind of giving him a new voice and like putting him in a role that he had no... Like, my argument with some of the other stuff is... Or like, even the Tupac hologram. That is a projection of like i don't think they digitally recreated him did they like i thought it was just actually like one of his performances that they just put into a hologram or something like that oh but i thought it was I like could somebody be wrong. did like who knows capture. it's all kind of skeezy right and we're getting to that point it's a great I mean, zone it's like the internet we and don't I mean, know the rules and with of... gemini man even recently like i think they've made huge leaps and angley's even talked about this of like this digital there's difference between digital projection and digital cinema in a sense where you can have these fully CG characters that look real. And I mean, with I'm, I'm very excited to play death stranding, which came out today um, by Hideo Kojima, who's obviously a huge film fan and his, his games are very cinematic and it stars uh, Norman Reedus and Mads Mikkelsen and, um, uh, Lea Seydoux and, and Nicholas Winding uh, Refn, Nicholas Winding Refn, Guillermo del Toro, um, Edgar Wright is in the game too. Um, so it's and it the but the graphics look so real, right? Like he's creating these cutscenes that are essentially digital cinema, right? It's all CG. It's an animated film, but these characters look like these actors that they're portraying. So who's saying that in the future we can't have a fucking Avengers or Expendables movie with a bunch of people who are fucking dead. Right. Because <laughs> like, you could just bring back any of these people or continue. Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. Can, can live on forever. As Iron now, Man, right? right? As long as someone can kind of do his voice. Then Which they can because, I mean, you've seen that even in 
animation where you know a voice actor will pass away and somebody and just, else will replace him yeah. the way that um jim varney was replaced yeah. um by another for, actor for slinky dog yeah right? exactly you know, and nobody really notices because it's a pretty good Close. impression kermit the frog like, yeah yeah and, like, and and these things you don't notice as much because you don't see them see their face but you, now we're gonna get to a point where you're gonna see these actors yeah. and hear a voice that sounds similar to them and they have no say in it because their families yeah can make some money off of someone licensing out their their face so you're gonna see people like i think robin williams did this and i um i don't know who else has done this recently but robin williams in his will when he passed away said you cannot use my likeness for like 30 years after my death like which is like i think you're gonna start should have seeing, extended that like yeah I, I think i don't know it might be longer it's but almost like, like being in like um, um public domain right like a movie when when a movie or a piece right. of music you shouldn't is be able to use to... someone's likeness for a hundred years or right. something right and even ever really like ever really like but you're i think you're gonna start seeing after this james dean thing and after you see people like chris evans get tens of thousands of retweets on his his comment on it and you're seeing other people in hollywood comment on it i think they're gonna start seeing this and like yeah and james dean he he passed too early and it was was before a time where he would even envision that someone could digitally take his fucking likeness and make it into a movie so that's where i don't think it's really fair to take this person and i'm not saying that that makes it okay for peter cushing or leia just or i mean not leia um uh carrie Carrie Fisher. fisher just because they played that character but to me there's at least an argument there whereas like they played those characters and they had a choice in playing those characters. So if you're making a movie in that universe and you're using their likeness, as long as their family says it's okay, at least that person chose that character to, they know that they played that character. If that makes any sense at all. Um, I I get what you're saying, but I I do think it still is like this. It is a weird gray zone. Um, But, but it's also interesting as well. Like um, a lot of people were mentioning uh, Waltz with Bashir director, Ari Foreman's, um, the Congress with Robin Wright kind of predicting this uh, five or six years ago where there's a scene with uh, uh, where Robin Wright, who plays this faded actress who is being paid to uh, have one final gig. And the gig is uh, this studio is downloading her likeness so they can use her likeness for any production that they want. And it's not just the likeness of what, she appears to be in, in the age she is now. I think she's in her late forties at the time that they, they, they scan her face, but they can use from that likeness that they scanned and, you know, turn her into a 20 year old again. Right. Right. And, and sort of owning that. And then Bojack Horseman is another show that kind of did that with the, the, the Seabiscuit esque storyline where Bojack wasn't even, you know, going to be on the show. And what ended up happening was, um, they downloaded or scanned his face and they just made the movie without him and just used his likeness. And, you know, you're getting to that point where these things are becoming a more realistic option, if anything at all. And um, it's kind of scary. And the uncanny valley of it is still there, obviously. But I think as as we progress, I mean, we'll get to a point where it will look real enough or convincing enough to the human eye where you know we'll be seeing these people again and you know the 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 question of the ethics will always have to be coming into play but it's the other thing that's interesting about this is that would we be talking about this movie if 
this James Dean bit wasn't even mentioned. No, we wouldn't. So this is giving this guy this that's, movie, and free that's publicity. why they're doing it. Yeah. They're doing it yeah. for that reason. And yeah, he's they're not doing it because it's really no. like that's this why is I laughed. The person that yeah, is that's why I laughed at that quote because yeah. I'm like that is total horseshit. You're only doing this. James knowing. Dean is the only guy that could have played that role. Bullshit. Yeah. I mean, like if James Franco was a better person, you could just hire him. Um, so yeah, like I, I don't know. It's it's. And then going back, like even in Death Stranding, like Liz- Lindsay Wagner is in the game, and she's playing a younger version of herself. So right. they digitally created her younger self for her, like much like Irishman or something like that. Right. Well, I was also game. saying with with uh, yeah. the Congress, right? Yeah. The the Ari Fullman movie where Robin Wright's likeness is downloaded, and then they just have her like they they don't even need actors anymore and maybe that'll come to a point where it's like yeah we'll just scan you and and yeah we'll pay you for every film you appear in totally and we don't have to work around schedules exactly and stuff like that. we'll just get and, yeah. someone who can kind of and you could even do it where someone does the performance and someone comes in and does the voice later yeah right? simone did so that like, a little bit as well remember that really bad andrew nickel movie with yeah. al pacino where like he digitally removed um, the actors that he was working with and created a, a, a digital actor and everybody was in awe of her and he was just trying to hide the fact that she wasn't real and that yeah. was like his whole thing that he she was just a computer rendering. Yeah. It's it's a crazy world, man. I don't yeah. know. We'll see. Um, I was on the phone because I ordered beer as we were recording and they're dropping it off. So. Of course. Of course. <laughs> it's the 50th episode, baby. Could have asked if I wanted something. Um, I got you some beer, man. I don't drink. Um, I, it was, it's just a beer service. So right. like, I couldn't. That's fine. That's and you fine. only, you don't drink. You can have one if you want. No, no, no. Um, I'll maybe get some water after this. Yes, I can get some as I collect the beer when they get here because uh, we still got some more news. Uh, let's move into the Batman news. So we talked about a lot the last couple weeks, but we have some more news now. Um, Sexy penguin. Yeah. Colin Farrell. It uh, looks like he's going to be playing the penguin and Andy circus has also uh, signed on to play, or it looks like he's going to sign on to play Alfred Pennyworth. Yes. Uh, in, in Matt Reeves, the Batman uh, thoughts on that. So, um, I mean, both actors have been in other comic book movies more recently. Andy circus having been in, Black Panther and also now directing Venom 2 is a little weird. But at the same time, I also understand that, like, he's kind of become, I guess, one of Matt Reeves' actors. So this role is kind of interesting because when you think of Alfred, you think of, like, the kind of fastidious, well-dressed, reserved kind of character that always keeps everything in line and Bruce Wayne in check and and keeps him sort of focused or or, or plays into his uh, delusions. And with Andy Serkis being cast, I almost get a sense that maybe he'll be more like physically involved in some way. Well, Alfred's background was always in the army and things yeah, like yeah. That I mean, he was either a Green Beret or mm-hmm. World War II vet. But like, even with with you know the Michael Caine Alfred, he mentions that and like the stuff in Burma and the Bandit. But like, you still saw an older version of that where so will this alfred get physical yeah will (laughs) olivia newton john style um and then yeah and it's also i mean the joke can be like you know he's 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 wearing um a literal monkey suit for this movie and Mm -hmm. and not you know a motion capture version um and then with colin farrell i mean it's also interesting that you now have another fucks (laughs) yeah well you have another daredevil actor yeah who has gone over to the dc batman universe that's true yeah um and then on top of all that, uh, you know, I, I hope he doesn't become Johnny Depp. 
<laughs> right. Sure. Uh, but it, but it is interesting because like again maybe after the the Jonah Hill thing kind of fell through, they were just kind of looking for like who would be the best actor to play the role because I know a lot of people wanted Colin Farrell or there was a rumor at one point that he was going to play John Constantine if they were going to do the Justice League Dark movie. Um, but this is it's kind of interesting because like. I can see him getting portly for the role, uh, the way that he's done with obviously the lobster and horrible bosses. Yeah, um, but it is it is an odd choice. Like I'm but, not against it. It's just it, I I mean in the Batman um, uh, Telltale video game that came out on PS4, which is sort of a choose your own adventure style Batman game that was a little darker. Uh, the Penguin um, and Oswald Cobblepot. Um, was more of Batman's kind of mirror rather than being this kind of portly, short penguin. Like, he right. still had kind of the hook nose and things like that, but he was almost just like Bruce's friend when they were kids and But that was like more that. Harvey in, in sure. a lot of the more recent adaptations. But that's interesting because, like, you could almost <laughs> you could just go the complete opposite of what Penguin is and make him, like, super jacked, like, almost like Bane and be like, yeah, I'm just, like, ripped. Pe- well, you Penguin. could. I mean, if, if you make him his counterpart and that they were friends as kid and the Cobblepots and the, and the Waynes were like these two big rich families in Gotham and stuff like that. And how things happen to each of them. Like, I think that could be interesting and you could go that route and he's just kind of a well-dressed or not well-dressed, but like, you know, a flamboyantly dressed kind of villain with a, maybe they give him a prosthetic nose or something. I don't know. That might but be distracting. Like, or, or maybe, maybe he just, maybe has, maybe the prosthetic is almost like a like broken a, nose yes, and it's like, exactly. it's like funny. maybe it's curved or something thing like that and it looks yeah because i mean colin farrell does look like that kind of guy that's probably been in a couple fights in his life yeah and that's what they kind of made oswald to be like this grimy kind of like you know and then he runs that casino and shit like that like the underground casino (laughs) penguins got abs um, so i could see that being kind of interesting and i mean um the cast that they've been rounding out for this movie i think is incredible and and, like i'm very very curious and like what i read recently is that it's going to be more like a sort of like a sherlock holmes kind of movie and and not like the guy Ritchie ones but a sherlock holmes style story because colin farrell's Um, in the new guy Ritchie movie so right he is yeah um so i don't know i'm intrigued by it yeah and now there's rumors that harvey dent is going to be next up i wonder if they'll if there will be any more female characters like yeah. it seems like there's only catwoman i i don't know yeah maybe i mean vicky vale <laughs> we'll see well i would even say like gender swap one like firefly doesn't i mean like who cares if firefly is a man or a woman like i think they could do that stuff yeah. and i think that i mean you could see a barbara gordon maybe i mean you have um uh, well, what's her name has never been used in um, any of them. Uh, Leslie um, uh, Tompkins, who's always kind of like the the one that's kind of looked after Bruce medically mm-hmm. when he's really needed it. And uh, I know she was a big part of the '90s animated series. Yeah, well, and this seems like it's going to have an animated series vibe with the amount of villains and kind of. But I like that the and... world's already established, and you just don't have to go through origin stories. Like it's already done. Like we kind of get the gist of it there's been enough batman movies now for people to understand the basic mythology and narrative that's you know bob clark has created and it's uh, bob kane has created and like that's it like you don't need to really like spend like 20 minutes with you know two-face getting acid 
poured on him. Or, right. We already know yeah. most of these villains, right? So just drop us in there, much like... Just get us on in, man. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, very, very excited. Uh, keeping into the superhero news, um, not much to say about this, but uh, we officially got a release date for the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse sequel, um, which is going to be swinging our way in 2022. See, that's the one that I would say, like, hey, Marty... Marty, we're buddies. Watch this movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, I know, right? Here's a superhero movie that's yeah. pretty good. Like this is how it how it should work. Um, I'm excited. I, we don't know much else. It's it seems too far away. And he'd be like, yeah, yeah. It reminded me of uh, 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 Powell and Pressburger's uh, Tales of Hoffman. Right. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> uh, I didn't talk about it, but I did go to that TIFF Halloween party. Yes. Um, which was a blast. A TIFF boombox um, on Halloween night. I dressed as Peter B. Parker from Into the Spider Verse. Perfect segue. Um, uh, Nevis dressed up as Paddington, the titular Paddington from Paddington. Um, all the way from Peru. And it was a blast, man. It was a lot of fun. Um, uh, they had Cirque du Soleil perform. They had a bunch of different rooms. So they had like a rock, paper, scissors battle. They had a live karaoke. So like karaoke with a live band behind. Was you. it all Halloween themed um, music? No, like you could perform whatever, but it was back in like their garage area and like the, the back end of TIFF and stuff like that, which was kind of cool. Um, they had like a comedy thing, some photo booth stuff and like the whole light box was decked out and you can kind of walk around and the gallery space and some of the cinemas and things like that so i'm sorry um, i had the shits no i mean you, you i think you would have had fun but yeah. like it was a good time and i think like i only saw one other peter b parker there and then you killed um, him yeah uh, my costume was better than his but people check out my instagram uh at matt Rohrbeck. Well, the thing i like the most um, is that you've truly committed to it that you had two different shoes oh 100 percent, dude i had to one of the first comments i wore it into work that day was someone was like why are you wearing two different shoes? I'm like, it's Halloween and two watch into the spider verse. Right. Damn it. Um, but you it was cared hard, about the costume. It's it hard to nice. tell. This guy's calling me. You vamp for a second. Oh, talk so, about, you, so Matt's going to get some Ant-Man beer. three. Oh, well I kind of just did. So apparently, well not apparently. I mean, it's not surprising because what is Peyton Reed actually doing? Peyton Reed will be directing Ant-Man three uh, with Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly and probably Michael Douglas all returning. That hasn't been confirmed yet, but Peyton Reed will be concluding the uh, third uh, Ant-Man movie, and I believe that it will be playing theatrically and not going to uh, Disney+. Plus. Um, it's not surprising since the other two did play, but, I mean, you think that they would continue or, or, or end the third one maybe as a series? Because I don't know whether or not... <laughs> so Matt is pulling out some uh, Blood Brothers uh, beer, and... Uh, do you have any? Uh, do you have any pop? Soda. Soda. Uh, maybe. Okay. Okay. I'm good. Well, I was. I was. Or we can just talk about. It. I was just talking uh, about Ant Man three and Peyton Reed returning the titular Peyton Reed <laughs> yeah. uh, to the Ant Man series, and that it's kind of surprising that cold brew, chocolate milk, Ooh. soda water, uh... regular water, chocolate milk. Yeah. I mean, unless you have, unless you want that. No, I'm gonna drink beer. Okay. All right. All right. I got more beer, everyone. Yeah, he's got more beer, beer baby, and I got this uh, milk to go from uh, McDonald's. Really excited. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, it, almost Ant Man feels at this point like a obligation than anything else in the Marvel universe. Um, but I think what's actually worth talking about 
which. Uh, <laughs> as I uh, choke at, at Matt uh, declaring it the 50th episode. Is that a lost book over there? Uh, which one? No, it's the Lost Season 6 Blu ray. Oh, okay. Well, good. Th- oh, so you got like the, the complete collection? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, anyways, I was just saying how, you know, at this point, Ant-Man is just kind of an obligation for Marvel to complete as a trilogy. Because as much as I like Paul Rudd, I mean, does anybody really need a third Ant-Man movie? No. I don't know if anyone can hear me. I'm just asking this question to the audience in general. Sorry, I was getting my beer. And I'm I'm fine. I'm just, uh, I thought that was funny. Um... Because it's Friday night, we're recording. It's our 50th episode. I am going to have a love trip um, double mm. IPA from Blood Brothers. So, um, And you're having a nice chocolate milk from, oh, my, yeah. from my Happy Meal I never drank. So, uh, Yeah, Ant-Man 3. I'm surprised this isn't doing the Disney Plus thing. but maybe That's what I not, said while yeah. you were getting your beer. Sorry. I mean, I'm agreeing with you. Good. Um, I, uh, I, maybe there's not enough there to spread it out over six hours. So why not just spend, I mean, a bit of that budget on just a movie? But it is interesting that Bob Iger recently said, what what was was it for Forbes? I don't know. It was for some Wall Street Journal-esque thing. The one where he said you have to watch the Disney Plus series? Yeah, but more specifically, he gave the hint now that you have to watch both WandaVision and Loki to get to connect Doctor, uh, Strange. Doctor Strange and the Madness of the Multiverse, right? Yeah, because he said Loki will... I mean, makes sense because Loki is tying into the multiverse stuff, yeah. right? and Doctor Strange having been in Thor Ragnarok, right? So there, there is the connection there already. Um, yeah, I mean, Ant-Man is probably one of my least... I love Paul Rudd. I said everyone, that as well, yeah. yeah. everyone go watch his Hot, hot Ones. ones yeah. Did you also say that? I'm just repeating everything that you said. I didn't say the Hot Ones bit, um, but I, I said Paul Rudd is very charismatic. I got it. He's the best. Yeah. And I, I love and him... forever young. I love him as Ant-Man, but I like Ant-Man as a supporting character in Civil War. It's and the same thing Endgame as the Hulk, like, right? Yeah. You like the Hulk when he's a part of the team but he doesn't work really well he works in small doses right like i liked paul rudd just on house arrest like playing the drums and kind of right. like uh, hanging out at his well house. that's why like someone like evangeline lily when she kind of like takes over the film it's more of the wasps movie than it is ant-man and wasp is a more interesting character than ant-man yeah ultimately. i would agree yeah um so i don't know ant-man 3 seems like it'll be another one of the it's like a weirdly okay palette cleanser in between movies that you actually care about if right. that makes sense like but it also I don't hurts hate... it when you slip it in between like Endgame the event and, films yeah. yeah so like when you have Endgame and it's like you're at peak level you after know, infinity war yeah, yeah and then you're coming down but you want more at the same time and what you get is like this footnote in you know the series and like like Captain Where Marvel. Spider-Man feels important still, right? Yeah, like, like, like that was actually enjoyable and, and weirdly satisfying. And, like, the way that people reacted to him being temporarily pulled out of the Marvel Studios webbing was showed you how much people cared about that character. If, if you were to say that Ant-Man was being pulled from the Marvel Universe, like, say, some other studio claimed to have rights to it, nobody would care. <laughs> would care, yeah, yeah. 
Now, um, again, nothing against Paul Rudd or Evangeline Lilly, but yeah, like the character itself. Just now, if Edgar Wright would have directed that first film, yeah, and I mean there are little bits, there are fingerprints there of his work, but in the first film, yeah, yeah, it's not a it's, no, it's the I what agree. if movie, right? I totally agree. Um, Scream Five is in development. Cool. Next story. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. I like the Scream films. Like I, I first two are fine. Yes, I would agree with that. And I, I will, I like the fourth one. Just throwing it out there. Um, um, wasn't there a TV series as well on Netflix? On MTV. It didn't eventually. It come went to, to Netflix? Netflix in Canada. I think it became a Netflix original series. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I never watched any of that I didn't series, either. but I, the third movie is very bad. But I do like the first two. And Henry I, Winkler's and, in the first one as the and principal. I, and I like the fourth one. So, you know what? I, the fourth one isn't good, but there are moments I remember being more brutal than I thought it would be. Like when Anthony Anderson is stabbed in the face. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, oh, wow. They're really going for that. And then, like, the reveal of who one of the killers is reminded me of her father. Yeah, yeah. Like, she went full... Yeah, oh, fill totally. in the you know what I'm talking. Oh about. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I have no idea what the hell they would do if they're rebooting it or it's if. Or it's do they even call it Scream or are Stab? They, are they going to do that legacy sequel thing where right. they like only it's only a sequel to the first one? Or Kevin Williamson like is the worst though. He does kind of yeah. I mean, R.I.P. Wes Craven. But, yeah. Um. Next up, uh, Darcy Corden is joining Abby Jacobson in A League of Their Own. Um, is it a movie or a series? I think it's a series. Yeah, Amazon series. There's no yeah. crying in baseball. Yeah, so um, like both of them. So yeah. uh, She was on uh, GMM recently. Yes, she was. Um, you guys would know her from The Good Place. Yeah, she's also in Barry. Uh, and Barry, yes. Abby Jacobson, obviously from uh, Broad City. Yep. Um, love both of them, so love me some baseball. So you know what? I'm intrigued. I kind of want to watch this. I don't really get intrigued by television that often, but depends on how many episodes and how long they are. Right. Because uh, God bless Nicholas Winding Refn, but I just can't get started on Too Old to Die Young. Um, I want to watch it, but I'm like, man, if this was like a two-hour movie, even two-and-a-half-hour movie, I would have watched it by now. But 13 hours of this? I don't know. Yeah, a little um, goes a long way, especially with his style, which is great. I mean... But I, I feel like he hasn't really been able to top drive. No, I agree with I, that. Although I do um, like Neon Demon. Same. Uh, do you have any interest in this at all? I mean, I do liked... you like A League of Their Own? Yeah. I mean, it's been a while since I've seen it. Um, I really like the late, great Penny Marshall as a director. She also did Big. Um, so we'll see. I mean, it, it would be interesting to see how they expand the story. Like, would they focus, like, the first few episodes on the recruiting or would they give you more backstory into sort of like, you know, the men going off to war and like why, you know, the female baseball team was created in the first place and like that kind of stuff. Or like, are they going to go right into like the team already playing or, or are they going to sort of focus on the Gina Davis S character sort of clashing with the Tom Hanks, uh, kind of coach. Yeah. Um, yeah. Amazon's always that weird one where like, I feel like they, it just they're just there, right? You know? Well, the only thing you've you, you've watched is the boys, really, yeah, which right? I liked, but even then, it I feel like it's throwaway. Like it's not like I'm a I'm like 
clamoring for the second season or something. Like, I'm not like, oh, fuck, I can't. I want Invincible more than right. I want. And all I've watched Boys. is uh, old episodes of Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I am literally a 75-year-old man. <laughs> yeah. Do you care about this Chris Pine playing Walter Cronkite thing? No, I think that the only interesting thing with Newsflash is that it's uh, it was originally a David Gordon Green Oh, was movie it? and Seth Rogen was going to oh, play. I didn't mention this, but he directed uh, the first episode of Dickinson. Oh, nice. Yeah. Like David Gordon. Green Which Hall. I had no idea he did that until the credit popped up. <laughs> In between like, the Halloween movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. So David Gordon Green was going to direct News Flash and it was going to star Seth Rogen as Walter Conkright. And uh, I think Mark Ruffalo was supposed to be in it as well. Yeah. So it seems like now they're just going in a completely new direction. Totally. I mean, I, I have no real thoughts on this. I like Chris Pine enough, but... Nah. But Chris Pine is way too good looking to play Walter Cronkite. Right. They said they'll have to do some work there. Um, John... Nothing against Walter Con- no. Cronkite. He's, sure. He yeah. But a great I mean, journalist. But... Different looking guy than Chris Pine. Yeah. Uh, John Boyega signed on. Cronkite fucks. <laughs> God. <laughs> Uh, John Boyega signed to star in uh, Rebel Ridge from uh, Jeremy Saulnier, um, who you guys would know as the director of Green Room and Hold the Dark most recently. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be on uh, – it's another Netflix movie after Hold the Dark. So uh, do you know much about uh, this f- film? No, I don't. That it's, But uh, it's supposed to be kind of almost like a companion piece to Green Room in a way. Yeah, I believe so. I'm trying and to sort see of if looking at any... America right now and how you know the divide is kind of widened since the Trump administration and yes. what's going on social, socially and politically. Speaking. So I have this from Collider. Um, Rebel Ridge will find Boyega playing an ex-Marine who takes on a group of dirty cops in a high-velocity thriller that explores uh, systemic American injustices through bone-breaking action sequences and dark humor. So it almost sounds like a genre version of what Detroit was. Sure, yeah. Which sounds fucking awesome, and I love Jeremy Saulnier, and yeah. I'm very excited for Well, this. it was also just nice to see him, like, I mean, obviously hold the dark, but, like, what happened with him in True Detective Season 3 and kind of yeah. leaving that over creative differences. And again, I think Hold the Dark went totally under the radar. Yeah. I, th- I just think that movie was a little too weird and not... Sure. Yeah. As I much lo- of an I adrenaline rush as yeah. Green... Like, Green Room was the movie that kind of really surprised people in terms of, like... I was not expecting this, like, quote-unquote art house movie to also be like a self-contained single location action film that is really really gory and then like even blue ruin is a film where it's like it's almost deceiving in a way where like you think you're getting this like burn yeah it's a slow burn but there's still something about that like like my brother connor is a casual movie goer and he saw blue ruin he's like dude this movie's amazing have you seen it it's like i've talked to you about it a hundred times because i remember suggest blue ruin was one of those movies at tiff where i went in knowing you know when we do the pre-screeners from an upcoming filmmaker you really you don't know what you're gonna get right like it's usually a mixed bag like yeah it could either be like something what was that fucking movie we saw this year that was all in darkness and we couldn't see what the hell oh the was giant happening? the giant right yeah. it could either be the giant or it could be blue ruin right, right. and blue ruin but fucking, sometimes the bad stuff can like, lead to good stuff or the stuff that is boring can lead to other good things like the way that you know you and nevis met uh during uh the unknown known sure yeah which was originally supposed to be tom at the farm right so although i i, I like, like tom at the farm and i like the unknown known sure i don't because i'm trash um, <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. 
anyways, I, I am very excited for this. I, I, I think he's one of my favorite working directors right now. And like, I think he's knocked it out of the park with his first three films, and I can't wait to see what this is. Yeah, and Boyega post-Star Wars as well will be interesting as well, because it seems like he hasn't really found his next thing yet. Like, yeah. he's try- with Detroit. He's good in Detroit. It's not a great movie, but there are moments in that film that are strong, and he's one of the best parts of it. Um, and then with, like, Pacific uh, Rim. Uprising. Uh, the, the Uprising, yeah. like... I understand why he did it, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, that film was never going to really go anywhere. Right. So. I agree. Um, moving on to some Jurassic World 3 or Jurassic Park 6 news, however you want to uh, call it. Uh, they're bringing back Justice Smith and uh, Daniela uh, Pineda. Pineda? I don't know. Uh, from Jurassic World 2. Uh, cool. Moving on. Uh, God, just no. I, I mean, I don't want to just openly be an asshole to say. As a but person, I'm sure he's, he's lovely. Nice, as but an he actor, sucks, dude. He's bad. Yeah, <laughs> he's he so is so bad. He was horrible in Jurassic World 2, and he's horrible in Detective Pikachu. And I'm just like, they kind of bring back Joe Mazzello. Yeah, I, I mean, we talked about. Yeah, Eric hung out with Joseph Mazzello last week, and bring him back. If you're bringing back the OG cast, you got to bring him back, man. Or bring or bring um, uh, Joe Mazzello into a GI Joe movie. Sure, GI Joe Mazzello. Yeah, I'm into that. So I don't know. I I don't even remember their characters from the last one. She was like, he was like the ner- I don't know. They're both like she the was nerdy, the like, like the veterinarian, like the, right. the, the dino vet, and he the was Lord Dern character, like the and, guy that screamed at everything. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I remember. Uh, yeah, he sucks. Sorry. And then he was in Detective Pikachu, and he was bland in that as yeah, well. Yeah, he was not good. Uh, anyways, that's our thoughts on that. Like, if you have um, a name that's Justice, you got to live up to that. Like, uh, Big Ben Affleck is going to be in Hypnotic, which is the new movie from Robert Rodriguez, uh, following up Alita: Battle Angel, which was basically a James Cameron movie. Right. Um. Robert Rodriguez is one of those guys that I I, I, I do like him, but um, you never know what you're really going to get. Well, no, you do because <laughs> well, he's do, always working but... with, yeah, I can cut the costs here. Sure. I, I can. I can. I guess Alita was like that George one. Lucas in a weird way where like he monetizes everything that he makes at, at some point. Sure, like it's like, yeah. yeah, I can make I can shoot this film in my basement. <laughs> yeah. Single. He's kind of like Jason Blum. Sure. Yeah. He's the the earlier Jason Blum because like he was the guy. I mean, he was an early adopter on you know digital versus green film screen, and and, and yeah. it all looks horrible because it was the beginning, but it still looks bad. Like the artistic point of view doesn't really work. I mean, some of the stuff in Sin City is 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 good, or at least is interesting. Um, but yeah, I'm I would be. It, I think. He needs to work with an actual budget, and he shouldn't be stingy. Like, he should actually, you know, whatever money he gets, he should put into the film and not say, like, oh, I can I can cut this in post or, you know, uh, cut a corner here or there, and we don't have to do this or that. Um, so it, it depends. Like, I just – I miss the Robert Rodriguez who directed Desperado. Yeah, and I worry, like, it doesn't look like a major studio or anything is attached onto this. So when you get – like, no offense to some of these kind of, like – Is this know. also an uh, AFM movie? Probably. Yeah. I'm assuming why all of these things are coming out right now. Because they're all these studios that I haven't really heard of. Like, 
credited as producers, Studio 8 CEO Jeff Robinov. Yeah, I think this is probably an and, AFM. Yeah, so it's just like, I mean, no offense to STX, but it just like reeks of that kind right. of thing. <laughs> yeah, STX will sometimes have like that one movie that kind of is a surprise. It's like Hustlers this year. Hustlers like... and then The Edge of Seventeen with Haley Steinfeld are like the two like outliers in like a world filled with Gerard Butler and Jackie Chan movies. Yeah. <laughs> it's like The Plane? The shit that should <laughs> Who is excited for the plane with the shit Gerard that Butler? Should be VOD movies, but somehow end up in theaters. Right. And you're like, all right. I laughed um, so hard when I sent you that uh the email. So Gerard Butler, Lionsgate picked up uh the rights to Butler's new movie called The Plane, which is an action movie set on a plane. <laughs> yeah, sick. Love the what a creative title. What a creative well, well look at look at what Butler has become. Like he truly is basically one foot in VOD or direct yeah. to video releases, and yet still there's something that's kind of keeping him afloat. And I think it's companies like this, like yeah. STX or Lionsgate yeah. or Millennium Films that are just like Yeah, we could still use you in a way for something that is kind of like a low level C list action movie. Like I know some people really love Den of Thieves and the whole time when I was watching that film, yeah, there's some kind of funny, weird, idiosyncratic moments, but all I was thinking was like, guys, this is like a bad ripoff of Heat. And like for people to actually like love this, I'm not sure if the love is genuine or not. But that's me. I mean, yeah. I mean, I still haven't even seen Angel Has Fallen. I should get I'm that. A, uh, I'm a uh, fake, 4K for fake you. fan. When's it coming out on digital? Soon, uh, probably. Yeah, I think it's a December release. So. Yeah, probably. Uh, and then the last piece of news was the Soul stuff we already covered. So, um, man, what a fiftieth episode! I ordered beer halfway through the episode. <laughs> Uh, we talked about McDonald's. We were going to do, I mean, I'll tease this, which we are going to save for later. Um, we were going to do our best films of the decade, which seems to be a trend that's going on in film Twitter right now. Yeah. And, well, IndieWire, I mean, started it back in June or July. Like <laughs> sure. what the fuck? They started it back in 2013. Yeah. Um, so I think, uh, I haven't even started they put the goldfinch on that, on that list then. <laughs> no, they, okay. I was like, no, they didn't. Did they? No. Um, that sounds like an early thing to do. Um, uh, I think he hated that movie. I'm just joking. He did, yeah. He, he um, that film. You started your list, right? And then, yeah. You I, started I mean, trying to put it together. I've been thinking about like, it. It's tough well, because, like, I think we can maybe just briefly talk about this. Like, I was of one of two minds. Sure. I would like to see your thought process because I haven't even, even So my really thought started. process is, is two things. One, did it have an influence on the decade itself? Like, how did it shape the decade how did it shape pop culture how did it change the way that the industry makes movies or influence other filmmakers to make movies that are like quote like this film and then the t the other one is uh, what do i think is right the best movies of the year and sometimes those two things meet and then sometimes like you got to think like okay well what represents the decade because sometimes some there are some movies that i don't necessarily love but at the same time you can't deny they're important sure right so, so are you, you taking this from a subjective personal stance or are you doing it from a here are the is it favorite versus best or are you it's saying both 
Yeah. It's a combination of both. I'm trying to include the ones that I think are my personal favorites, but at the same time... Well, it's I like which I, movies you want to champion that you yeah, really loved. But that, also, like, I can't... Again, like, I will not deny, you know, the importance of something like Under the Skin, which sure. I think has had a, a which I never huge saw, which impact I should. on the last five or six years and yeah like just, just the introduction of mika levy as a composer is is huge because the way that that movie is made and and yeah. sounds and is created and it's the same it's the same thing with you know social network like social network i love social network but like in terms of like that kicked off the decade really with 2010 and sort of a lot of people were looking at that movie before it was made it's like oh you're making the facebook movie so are I remember you gonna make, when like, they announced David Fincher's making the Facebook yeah, movie. Yeah, and, and so a like, lot of people what? thought it was going to be, you know, like the Emoji movie, but with Facebook. And it turned out, no, you they turned it into this amazing, you know, courtroom procedural that is, you know, fast-paced and dialogue-driven, but also very cinematic. And those two things don't always come together or complement each other. Social Network will be high up on And again, yeah. the way that... Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross were introduced the, yeah. to the world of uh, film composing. Yeah. So that Incredible. had a huge impact on the last 10 years. I agreed completely. And like the way like you can look at, you know, like – and also I think the other thing you need to do is like, you need to at least pick one movie, movie from per each year. year. Yeah. yeah. So how many do you want to do? 25. When, you want to do 25? We usually do a top 25 of the year, right? Yeah. So why not do that for the decade? That yeah. makes the most sense. Because you, um, I don't think you can just do 10. 10 because like, like there, there's more. I can has, barely do 10 in one year. Yeah. So to do one for one decade is ridiculous. Like I would even consider doubling it to 50 because we usually do 25. Right. But is that too many? That might be too many. Yeah. And there might be some overlap. I mean, I understand that. But again, like. I think that's fine. Like, I think if there's overlap, there's overlap. And, like, I know, like, this this isn't anything new. I mean, this has been done by critics for countless years. I mean, Siskel and Ebert would always do it at the end of every decade. Like, the obviously, the, their their most popular one was their uh, end of the the 80s where they picked um, Raging Bull. As the best film. As the best the, movie yeah. of, that, of the, the decade. And that was also 1980. And we're doing separate lists. Yes. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And then compare and contrast. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting because, like... Like, I also think, like, in a way, you do kind of... Not that it, it's it's needed, but I almost feel like you do need a superhero movie on there just to be like, well, like, you know, this is a huge representation of what... I will have multiple. Pop culture worry. was at the time. And that's why, th at this moment, I'm going with Spider-Verse because I feel that that represents... As the one that will make the top 25, yeah. Yeah, and I know it's more recent, but at the same time, I feel like it represents everything that has happened with the I mean, comic I, book genre in the last 10 years. And I will spoil and say I will probably... Like, it's weird, because like when you do a Marvel list comparing to what you would put on this list, right? right. Like, um, But then you look at the Scorsese thing again, where like right. one of the top movies I'm putting on my list, or the top... Two of the top movies, because I think they're their companion pieces that need to be together is the act of, of uh, killing and the look of silence, which is about the Indonesian genocide. Yeah, yeah. Those movies are more than movies. In my opinion, no, those sure. are documents showing a piece of horrific history that yeah. needs to be seen. 
And while I love Spider Verse, I would never compare those two in the They're same. They're completely different. They're doing way. completely They're different just things in the same. They're category. completely doing different yeah. things, right? Like, and I I totally understand that. And like for me, it'll be interesting to see where personal preference comes in versus like, okay, do I like I I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Does something like a a Force Awakens? Or, yeah, and do you want to like put multiple on directors on right. that same list, That's, or do you want to yeah. give room to other stuff? Do you try as to well? go like I don't know if any Tarantino movie in the last decade for me personally because Bastards was two thousand nine, right? Yeah, I think Bastards like, would have been would have been on my list yeah. for if I would have done one for the two thousands. Um, this year, like I don't know if Django, Hateful Eight, um, I think I mean. Once Upon a Time, I think, is his best thing yeah. since Bastards. But do I think it's one of the best films of the decade? And I don't do you know. put but... movies from this year on there because they haven't had right. time to permeate? Like, I can tell you – I won't reveal what it is, but it's probably pretty easy to guess. One... Parasite, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's one... just like where does that Spoiler. go? And I think like... – But it is on my list because I also feel yeah. that it is a representation of this year. And when we look back to – 2019 will be like okay well what yeah was a theme of 2019 so then class warfare you that's know, the other uprising. difficult thing do you go back to each year and find your number one film for well, each the, year the, yeah and then so, go, so that's like, another question where it's like i was looking at the year that i had the social network on my number yeah. one movie was true grit yeah and i love true grit but it hasn't held up the Haley steinfeld again it hasn't held up as well as well, no I it's still a great movie that. i would like, just say that but like in terms of like what i would represent Again, like as a whole decade, but I would say it didn't have the same importance today. If I said to you, "What is a better movie?" Social Network. Yeah, and I agree yeah. with you. And I think my year from that year would have been Social Network was my like third, fourth, fifth. Movie well, Social of the Network, year, remember, Inception, like, and yeah. um, Scott Pilgrim were pretty high on my list. Yeah, and so was totally, Black Swan. Yeah, Black Swan is one of yeah. my favorite movies of all time, right? Yeah. But it's like. I think Black Swan will make my 25, um, and I think it's the only Aronofsky probably in the last decade that probably would even have a chance. But His scarf will make um, my, my top 25. Yes, yeah, Aronofsky's scarf. So it'll be interesting, and I don't know when we should do that, if we should do it at the – I mean, we'll obviously do our best of the year list as well. So I know people are already starting to get ahead of it and do the best of the decade thing. I mean, i not saying that 1917 or, or Little Women um, – but you never know, right? right? Like, so I don't necessarily want to make that list until I see. Well, I thought it was dumb that like, IndieWire did that back in the summer, where like you still had even Rise of Skywalker. Me being such a huge Star Wars fan, I'm like, I can't really like. Who knows? That movie might fucking either knock my socks off or just be enjoyable, right? right. Like, I don't know. Like, I I loved JJ's Force Awakens, and it, it really affected me. And I love Last Jedi as well. But I, I'll be curious rewatching these Star Wars movies, especially with the last Last Jedi discourse, and I haven't really watched that movie since then um, to really get into that stuff. Will Solo make my list? Absolutely not. Well, I already know what your number one is. It's Bucky Larson. Are you... And you're ranking yours, right? Not just alphabetical order? Or no, I'm ranking, yeah. You're ranking. Yeah, you're ranking. going hard. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'll rank them too. You're going to make some tough Best film of the decade. That is a huge fucking thing to uh, put out there. But I'm going to start working on mine, and maybe... I know we wanted it for our 50th episode, but uh, we'll do it in the next... We'll do it in the hundredth. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. We'll come back to it. Yeah, we'll do it before the end. Of, I, I'm trying to figure out when. Probably after we see those two movies. So maybe early December. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, actually, Rise of Skywalker, Cats. Well, Cats could be it, right? <laughs> you never the film know. that defines the I'm whole gonna decade. I'm going to get so high to watch that movie. I can't wait. Um, all right. I think that wraps up this massive 50th episode, uh, 50th draft, sorry, of the Untitled Movie Podcast. How long have um, we been going on for? How much do you think we've been going on? I've Two had hours? enough time to order beer <laughs> so <laughs> two hours two hours and 40 minutes holy crap yeah well it's still so, not as long as the irishman or our tip episode right so. i just want to thank everyone who has listened over the last 50 episodes whether you've listened to one episode you're a new listener or your your debbie or or ben or brandon, brandon or any alex um, alex uh tons of people who uh, have listened over the uh, the last 50 episodes. And I mean, Eric and I have been doing this for a while, whether it's Movie Monarchy or that shitty Toronto film scene podcast we did for a little while. Uh, remember, we went too long on that one and swore too much. Um, but 50 episodes, I mean, we've been doing this over a year now, but uh, I am very, very proud of this podcast and what we've done over the last year, whether it's TIFF or just this bullshit that we do every week. And not only just that we've consistently done it, but it gives me – like I know we see each other a lot, but it all, I always look gives forward. It gives us an excuse. It gives us an excuse, right? And I think To annoy poor Nevis. <laughs> yeah, poor Nevis who's locked in the bedroom right now, but hopefully watching Succession and enjoying it. Um, she – She's just on Twitter and says hello, everyone. <laughs> um, Hashtag hi. But I think even getting older and thinking about f- like friendships and things like that, like it's hard to see people consistently and everyone gets busy with their lives. And, yeah. and I feel like this gives us a good excuse to just hang out once a week. Right. And as, as much as it, and I, I, and I, God, I don't know why anyone would listen to this. For I know that. Well, that's the other two, thing I, I was going to say. Hours and we're four sorry minutes. to whoever no, is I listening. Think, to this. And I'm, it's self deprecating. Yeah. And I think we, we do a, a, a good job. And, um, but, um, I appreciate, we really do, I know it sounds like bullshitty kind of, you know, we're so appreciative of everyone, but we really like anytime someone says, sends us a message or I see someone in, in, in person or, um, someone tweeting online or posting in an Instagram story, um, about, uh, this podcast, it's, um, again, it's, it's a tough industry where, we're not really making much money doing this. We really do it. It's for the passion because we love it. So, um, uh, and we do really appreciate that there are even, I have always said this. If, if one person is getting some sort of enjoyment out of this nonsense, what enjoyment that is, don't um, let us know. (laughs) Um, then it, it it is worth it. So, uh, I really do love, uh, movies and I love chatting with you, man. And, uh, 50 episodes is like not crazy but i mean it's, a, it's but, a pretty but good... the, like we're we've been pretty consistent like yeah there's the odd week like this week where we're recording on friday instead of delivering yeah. it on a monday or tuesday but i mean that seems to be a big part of it where like some people will start a podcast and they'll go for you know maybe five to 20 episodes at the most and then they'll kind of you know life gets in the way and that that happens and i totally and, understand that and yeah. then it kind of it, it it ends up on the back burner and and they don't go to it again and like you know we are now halfway to 100 and it's like again we've just 
kept doing it. And yeah, maybe the quality hasn't always been the greatest, but I think the consistency... The quality's been good. We're just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, but I think the consistency and the passion and, and our love of, you know what we're talking about and our friendship hopefully comes through. And, and, and again, we just enjoy talking about this stuff and, you know, having a chance to, I guess, share it with other people who are willing to listen to it. It's, it's kind of nice. It's nice to know that there are other weirdos out there like us that are interested in movies and obsess over weird quotidian things and, and are, uh, very much, um, you know, in the film community. Yeah, man. Well said. Uh, so thank you all for listening. Again, if you like this, if you've made it two hours and 41 minutes through it, you might like a much shorter version of this where we just review movies. Uh, so we do another podcast called uh, The Untitled Movie Reviews where Eric and I uh, just review a film, one single film, usually uh, under 20 minutes. Sometimes we go a little bit longer like with our Doctor Sleep review and certain other ones but uh we try to keep it short so you guys can kind of get in and out on those episodes uh eric mentioned earlier in the episodes we had uh reviews for dr sleep the lodge uh terminator dark fate uh last christmas eric's throwing nugget man around the fucking kitchen um our or sorry our studio <laughs> um we're also going to have reviews of uh, Frozen 2, Charlie's Angels, uh, 1917, Little Women. Little Women coming up in the next couple weeks. Cats. As, uh, as well as I'm sure we'll be talking about a lot of the stuff that's coming up on Disney Plus because I know we're both very excited about The Mandalorian. Uh, the Mandalorian we should almost like do that. like uh, a separate, separate episode on or the rev- put it in the review column or yeah, something. Yeah, each episode yeah. or as the season as a whole when it's finished. Either or. I mean, whatever yeah, we'll you want to do, whatever's we'll talk less about work. That. But we're very excited for it. Less work is one episode. But, I mean, we'll see. We get together anyway, so I don't mind. I'm very – I can't believe we're like three days away. I can't. Oh, and Queen and Slim. We should um, probably also – Yeah, I can't, I can't wait for Queen and Slim as well. So um, we'll figure all that stuff out, and you'll be getting all those reviews. So go subscribe to that channel as well. It is Untitled Movie Reviews. We would appreciate if you guys went over there and uh, rated us and uh, shared it with your friends and uh, all that jazz. Uh, as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the interwebs, but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com. And you can follow all of my shenanigans on most of the social medias, but specifically Letterboxd and Twitter. If you want to see some photos I post, like my Halloween costume. From Did you the, post a photo from, of your, your little nugget buddy? I have not. Maybe I'll put that on my story. I saw a Or maybe that should be on uh, our, our Instagram you uh, can do title that. account sure. as our mascot. <laughs> Sure. Uh, Nugget Fireman, the mascot of Untitled (laughs) (laughs) Podcast from 1988. All the kids will understand. Uh, I forget what the fuck I was saying. At Matt Rohrbeck everywhere. Go follow me. And you do some writing for Cineplex. Cineplex. Yeah, I had an article recently about Gemini Man. I will be writing about Queen and Slim, about Daniel Kaluuya's career. Um, Went from Kick-Ass 2 to Widows. Will I mention Kick-Ass 2? Maybe. Will I talk about uh, Widows and how awesome he is in that movie? Yes. Uh, but yeah, that article... It's Sicario, too. He's always fuck, so he's good. So, he's so good, man. Yeah. So I can't wait to write about his career. That article will be going up closer to the Queen and Slim release, but I will let you guys know about that. But yes, at Matt Rohrbeck everywhere. 
And I'm Eric Marchand. You can find more of my uh, video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene. I have a review of The Irishman up there. And I also have an interview with Terminator Dark Fate director Tim Miller, who actually, during our interview, dissed Joker. Oh, uh, did he? For, uh, for topping uh, Deadpool as the number one R-rated movie. And what I didn't did he say? It. He said, oh, well, like, you know, people wanted us to return to the R-rated franchise and was like... I don't know, and maybe I just you know, fuck Joker for being the highest rated R rated film. And how did you edit around that? I didn't ask. Johnson like... was able to. Uh... Tim Miller swore a lot, and yes, Eric, Eric and very casually. For... It was just part of his vocabulary. Like it wasn't him trying to be like edgy or cool. It was just kind of like his. He's his. He, yeah, I get yeah. it. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. But... So like we talked about a, a movie that he worked on before we started recording called Hideaway, actually. Uh, from the late 90s. and Didn't he, he call like, it a piece of shit or he something? He did. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, he, again, very, very casual kind of guy. But, yeah, we had to cut around that. Johnson Lai, who, who did the editing for it, um, worked his magic, and somehow we were able to make a coherent piece still. Um, so go watch that interview. Yeah, and then on the social medias, Twitter, Letterbox at EM6211. And until next time... Always get your nuggets with a... Fireman. Fire, fire, fireman. Fire, fireman. What a shitty outro to our 50th episode. <laughs> we did it. Bye, everybody. <laughs> See you next week.